Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brew, and welcome to episode 49 of Beer Notes, the podcast, adjunct series, quarantine edition. This evening, ladies and gentlemen, this is a special one. This is a brewery that I was, I imagined that we'd always get out to British Columbia to talk to these guys. I've been a huge fan since, I want to say, 2016, 2017, when I started trading with a friend, Shasta Daniel, out there in BC to make sure I got their beer. I have been uh, in love with a bunch of their stuff. Um, Everything I've tried is always phenomenal. The branding is fire. Um, I was very excited to connect. There he is. Daniel's jumping on already, not messing around. What's up, bro? Shouting you out already. Um, I'm just going to bring him right on in. And also, this evening, I have my brother, Notion, who, as you know, is our uh, audio engineer, photographer, key part of BOS, joining me to interview Adam and Brent Mills of Four Winds Brewing. There we go. Boys, welcome, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to have you guys on. This is awesome. Good to yeah, be thanks here. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Very excited Mate. to be here. Likewise. Likewise. Yes. So this is this was a good one. So Adam uh, and I connected on Instagram, I want to say like a month or something ago. Um, super stoked. As soon as I saw that you followed me, I immediately hit DM. I'm like, yo, what up? Like I was I was super stoked. Um, yeah, I, I just did. I, this is obviously a great way to continue to do the podcast. Obviously, the optimal way is to do it in person. But uh you know, as soon as we connected, I was like, yo, I you know, want to at least throw it out there, see if you guys would be keen. So I was super, super excited for that. And then to find more about your story, that you guys are brothers that founded the brewery alongside your father. And obviously, I work with my brother here. And I was like, this is a perfect uh, little situation. Perfect so, match. Loving it. So uh, super stoked. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff this evening, but obviously... We're going to need to kick it off with the beer. So do you guys want to tell us about uh, the first one that we're going to be rocking? Yeah. Uh, let's give this one a pour, why don't we? Yeah. Cheers, guys. Nice, cheers. Nice yeah, cheers. Uh, tell us about this one. This is a relatively new beer, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we got, we've been open for almost eight years. And uh, this one's maybe been brewed for three years. We first brewed it as a, like a, a Oktoberfest fest beer in mm-hmm. 18, 18, I think. Um, but yeah, so originally it was just a beer that we wanted to brew and drink during Oktoberfest. And we loved it so much that we're like, let's do it again. And yeah. uh, we actually like it, it did well at BC Brew Awards. And we're like, let's make this a regular beer. And it just keeps on getting more popular, which is great for us because this is the kind of beer we love. So, so originally this was like a little more of a fest beer style beer. Okay. Yo. I think you guys there? Oh my we're not gonna freeze there, mate. Okay, it'll come back. This looks fantastic. Yeah, it smells great. Yeah, why does it always freeze, man? Why does it have to do this? Goddamn ecam, son. Or the internet's Let's see if they will the kickback. Oh, it's happened uh, in the past. Do I take the photo at all? Sorry, I wanted to pour. Oh, it smells great. Right, Got to get the uh, photo. Beautiful, eh? go. Here we go. Oh, you want the candle? The right. candle. Nice and grainy. Yeah, man. It smells great. So it's a German. Can you, sorry, can you read the candles? Give mine to Tiff. Yeah, um, it's a German style Pilsner. It is um, 
4.4, my bad. 5.4. And uh, just, it's pretty much just crisp, easy drinking lager, but it's uh, got that really nice uh, molten grain sort of bill that really, really makes it bright. It's nice. I love it. Boys, you back? We're back. Now we're back. Okay. Yeah. Technology. People so, used yeah. to it. Don't even sweat it. Continue. Cool. So, yeah, uh, <clears throat> I don't even know where it froze, but, yeah, so it was originally – modeled after a fest beer we dialed it back a little bit to make it more of a classic pills and uh we we use like exclusively german ingredients on it okay uh, so we're getting malt from germany irex malt which is uh imported from uh brew culture it's not it's not super common a lot of people are using wireman for german german beers out here but uh we were kind of informed by a couple of German brewers in Germany, like, oh, try Irex if you can get it. It's it's what we use in Germany, and Weirman is for the North American market. So, right, uh, we got our hands on some and really really like the quality of it, and and we've been kind of modifying this beer throughout the couple last couple of years to kind of dial it to exactly where we want it. This I don't know if you guys are drinking the same batch. Uh, I believe so. But uh, it's a not as not as dry. This batch is not as dry as we like it. Okay, so it's a little. This is twelfth of December. Same one. Uh oh, froze again. Have you got twelfth? Yeah. You got twelfth of December. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, actually no, I can't see the date at all. It's a smudge. Ah, I hate it when that happens. It's canning. They need to like fix that technology, eh? Like as far as like this is straight up smudge. Yeah. So all right. probably, it probably is the same batch, I imagine, since that was at the same time. Um, yeah, this is really good. Yeah. I want to know why it was 5.4 and not like sort of left, maybe because it was like they said, it was based on like a fest beer, so they're probably a little a little higher. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't taste boozy at all, but, you know, after oh. a few of them, you'll feel the effects. But yeah, this is, some, this is a summer crush. I feel like having this at the park or something. Yeah. That's a nice little oh, this from like with some sausage, like, you know, some polished sausage or like some sort of like, it's like a beer hall, mm. eat a pretzel, a eat a sausage kind pause. of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Pause. That's the vibes I get when I drink it anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're saying they like it a little drier. Here we go. I don't know what's happening with the old internet this evening. Yeah. It's better when it finishes drier because then it's, you want more. Yeah, Exactly. Boys are back. We're having, we're having a good time over here. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Such a good time. You're like, ah. Who needs the internet? Um, cheers, oh, guys. Yes, cheers. Great to have you. Cheers. Yeah, this, 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 this was a beer that we just really felt we didn't have in our lineup. Like It was just something that that we needed, a sort of a void we needed to fill almost. And I think Brent, Brent and Kylo, our, our, other, our head brewer, uh, took a trip to Germany and were quite inspired and and uh, to, to the Czech Republic as well. And yeah. kind of, you know, just this is modeled after those after those classic German style pilsners, so we're quite happy with it. Nice, I love it. I was going to actually ask two questions on this one: Why was it five point four percent? Is that because it was based on those fest beers that tend to be a little um, higher? And two: Have you ever done a crispy before this? <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, that's why it's a little bit higher. It was originally that fest beer style. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we drew back like the Vienna malt a little bit and the Munich, so it's it's clear in color or yellow in color. What was the other question? Something about crispy? 
Have we done have you? before? Yeah. Oh yeah, we <clears throat> we pride ourselves on uh, brewing a lot of lager beers. Um, oh good. We got a full time like American corn lager mm-hmm. that is probably the beer I drink the most. So it's four and a half percent, really crisp corn lager uh, that we hop with uh, New Zealand hops. So it's got a little bit of like. Uh, citrusy tropical notes on there, but it's very subtle, very subtle. Okay. But this was the first time you've sort of introduced it. Like, is that one just at the pub that you're talking about? Or had you packaged that one? No, no, yeah, yeah. no the one he's talking about is a full-time uh, <clears throat> skew that we have in six pack, 355 mil cans. And it's, uh, it's called elementary lager. Um, it's just the kind of the sort of the most basic elementary kind of style beer that we rudimentary beer that we that we uh that we make and so it's it's so crushable it's just easy drinking and it's available year round absolutely okay and then seeing that pop up from daniel we do also have like a, a standard pilsner which was one of our first beers we brewed which is actually originally brewed uh <clears throat> so brewing it uh it's definitely like not our most popular beer because it's in bottles and then we find that trend of cans is flying right now. So yeah, yeah, we do. We have three, four, three full-time lager beers, and we usually brew four or five more throughout the year. Okay, all right, wow, that's great. Because in my head, I sort of know you guys more for um, for the I guess the IPAs is really and and the farmhouse type of stuff. So I had this is the first uh, crispy I'd had from you guys. Now you mention it. There was a four pack I believe that Daniel was drinking late last year. And I think it was like four from you guys. It was like four collabs or something. Is that? Oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, it was an eight pack actually, but two eight. of each. So it's a collab. Pills, pills pack. Crazy. Which, uh, we actually got version two dropping tomorrow. Nice. What do you? Uh, is and it four new collabs? Yeah, four new collabs, and it's four Ontario breweries. Oh shit! Okay. So we got Bellwoods, Godspeed. Burdock and Tooth and, and Nail. Wow, that is a lineup. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny actually. Too. I went to Godspeed about um, two hours ago to grab just a couple of cheeky ones. And the guy in the bottle yeah. shop, because I told him, you know, podcast tonight, four wins. He's like, oh, by the way. And so, I'll, you know, if we didn't have the audio issues at the start, I would have been like, hey, boys, so is this actually something we can talk about? And here we are. So that's <laughs> sick. So I got the inside scoop from, from Buddy at the retail store, and uh, yeah, that's really sick. That's a crazy lineup. Those four. Yeah, we're super lucky to work with these guys. Like, I we just kind of I don't know, man. This pandemic's been crushing our spirits because we travel. We used to travel so much, and Ontario is one of our favorite places to go and yeah. meet other brewers and drink beers. And like, those four breweries are making some of the best lager beer I've ever had. And and so I kind of just reached out and. Have a have a relationship with most of those guys, and and uh, they're all pretty keen. And like, unfortunately, we weren't able to like brew the beer together. We just did virtual. Still cool to to get together and uh, write recipes. And like, these beers are tasting excellent. Um, we can we can go into the styles if you want. Or I'd love to. I was about to. Think. Please, Literally, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So Adam just grabbed grabbed the pack here. So. Um, yeah, with Godspeed, we did, uh, nice. yeah, we did, uh, with Godspeed was, a a Czech special, 
So this is uh, Luke. Luke's kind of thought we he was the last one to join join the party. So we kind of had a lot of like low gravity crushable beers lined up. So we wanted to bring a little bit something a little bit stronger. It's a style that I've never tried. So it's just like a from my understanding is Pilsner, but a little more gravity, a little more uh, grain in there. And mm -hmm. so it's like a little bit stronger Pilsner. We put in a little bit of uh, uh, darker malt in there. So it's kind of orange. So it's kind of like a Czech Bach is what it would mm. be. Okay. Um, <clears throat> with Burdock, we did uh, very much in the Burdock spirit. We did a super light three and a half percent rice lager that was dry hopped. Super, oh wow! Oh nice. Really nice. Uh, what else we got? Bellwoods was uh, those guys kind of challenged us on this one. 100% wheat lager, which Ooh. is uh, something we, we've thought about but never wanted to do because it sounded insane. But uh, it was uh, actually is that because it's difficult to do? Yeah, just in the in the brew house, brewing with 100% wheat is is usually quite challenging, but. Uh, with right. some tips from them because they they do that a bit, we figured it out, and it actually the brew was wasn't too bad. But the beer is, I think, my favorite in the pack. So it's 100% wheat and uh, just saws hops and a little bit of saws try try hops. So it's like so light and crisp. It's like saws soda, and we're loving it here. Nice. Um, and then the tooth and nail collab is uh, Czech dark lager, uh, nice brown Sweet. like if it's just a little bit of roastiness on it and like super super clean crisp really nice beer yeah i wish you guys had them with you right now so you can try them but yeah damn are they going to be available in ontario we just got them packaged up uh yesterday i think uh completed them and we plan to ship some out to ontario just a really limited amount that we're hoping um once we finish the communication with all the other four the, the breweries we're hoping that they'll have a, a few uh flats at their at their shops nice. um but we're it's not 100 percent guaranteed yet but we're working on that amazing and we'll, we'll send you Sweet we'll nice. send you some man that would be amazing i would love to try oh, these crazy. funnily enough i have maddie from tooth and nail on next friday she's good time nice. Oh, nice. so now i can ask oh, him about that um yeah that, <laughs> it's it's such a uh, phenomenal lineup of of like perfect like crispy boy brewers in in Ontario, like that's a, a real great. You guys totally did that, nailed it. Um, phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I think, like it's, I think Brent, like Brent was saying that you know we, we we're very passionate about making these like lager beers and these easy drinking beers that we just want to drink and but we make the full spectrum of beers and I think that's what you were alluding to before. Like we yeah. we make IPAs, we do a lot of farmhouse ales. Brent and Kylo are really keen on like barrel aging and getting into the sours and bacterial cultures and all, all kinds of stuff like that. So I think it's one, one of the things that, that we kind of try to do is to try to cover the, the spectrum a little bit, you know, like whatever we're interested in, the sours, the farmhouse ales, the IPAs, the lagers and sort of everything in between. So I love that. It keeps it super interesting as well. And it's cool to have, uh, just a nice eclectic lineup, something for everything. Plus, I know you got the pubs; it's super popular as well. So you got to handle that, which we'll probably get into uh, shortly when we talk about sort of the direction everything maybe has changed over the last year. Uh, Daniel's asking, will he be able to get the new box in BC? I imagine so. Yeah, tomorrow. Absolutely, tomorrow. Dan. You heard that right? Go grab it. 
Um, it'll be an <laughs> it'll be an art tasting room tomorrow. Okay. It'll be an art tasting art tasting room tomorrow, and then we'll start shipping it out to stores next week. So. Okay. okay. Go to Delta. Okay. He lives in Marpole. Is that what it's called? In the, yeah, in the it's not far, man. Close. It's yeah. close. Yeah, I think he always told me he was close to you guys. Um, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes, Pff, mate. He's got no excuse, really. Hey. Clutch. <laughs> um, Imagine so, being so lucky. Right? Right? Damn it. It's actually like a really cool area. He tells me about it all the time, the whole yeast van uh, beer district type of thing. And it sounds like that the bottle shops have everything there, but also you're so uh, in such close proximity to so many great breweries uh, that, uh, you know, yeah, it, it sounds pretty like, awesome. Yeah, man. I don't think many, like, on, nowhere else, Montreal and Toronto don't have any direct, um, you know, regions exactly like that. Mm. Which oh, yeah, no, slacking out. Unfortunately, us out in Delta, there's there's actually one other brewery within a kilometer of us, maybe two kilometers, but that's it. You got to drive at least twenty minutes. Yeah, I feel we're, like we're about like we're about forty minutes south of Vancouver, I guess you would say 35, 40 minutes, and okay, we're in the we're in the community that we kind of were raised in. Um, Brent and I lived in Vancouver about a decade probably in that in that range but we decided to open up the brewery in delta to kind of contribute to our to our sort of hometown and and to offer something here and, and be the kind of the delta brewery so i love that that's the move right uh daniel's saying he goes to the high point beer store i guess oh you, yeah they'll get it yep yeah they'll get it they seem to have so let's uh let, let's t- go back let's let's hit up the history how you both got into beer and uh, how that led to the brewery actually being uh, being set up. All right. I mean, uh, maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll let Brent get into that, but I'll just say that you know we've both just kind of been into beer for as long as ever, as long as <laughs> you can remember. Um, you know, kind of kind of when craft beer didn't seem to be as big. It definitely wasn't as big as it was now. But in the states, there was more craft beer, and in the nineties and things like that. Not saying that we were in the 90s there was great breweries that were coming up and so mid 2000s probably early 2000s kind of like dabbling in some of that stuff and there were some local breweries that popped up uh on the island and a few in vancouver there weren't many craft breweries but um we were always interested and and i think brent really got super interested in maybe around 2008 or 9 or something like that and uh and yeah i think one thing i remember is that I was working in sales, actually, yeah, in sales or at this time I was I was doing commercial painting or I think. But him and my dad um, went on a trip because they've been we've been talking about brew, breweries and craft beer, you know, around the dinner table for like a long time. And him and uh, our dad, uh, Greg, went on a trip down to San Diego in 2011, uh, and uh, I just remember them coming back from that. They went to the Craft Brewers Conference down there. Nice. And I remember them coming back from that, like really, really inspired. And like all the all the conversations that we had had previous, kind of, it felt like it. Uh, at least from my perspective, it felt like to them they thought, you know what, like maybe this is something that we could do. And that's kind of kind of where I felt the real spark. Like really, although it happened before that, the conversations. That's when it sort of solidified, and in, in in my mind. And what do you think, Brent? Yeah, no, to- definitely. So, <clears throat> I'll take I'll take a little take it back a little bit further. Um, I like I even when I was younger, when I wasn't legal to drink, I was the guy getting a six pack of like 
Gravel Island as opposed to like a 12 pack of Kokanee or something like that. I don't know if, if that makes any sense to nice. you guys. Those are, hey, no, that's that's yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyway, spending a few more dollars on something that I enjoyed, I definitely uh, made fun of when I was younger for it. And uh, it was just, I don't know, I wanted to enjoy what I was paying money for. Um, but yeah, slowly progressed and just like shows quality beer over over shitty beer majority of the time not to say that i didn't nice. but uh yeah and but i think the catalyst for me was uh i later i was uh, teaching english and drank the same beer for a year straight it was just rice lager which by no means was bad but it was just so one-dimensional 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 that once i came back um i just needed to try everything and got so so like interested in different styles of beers, explored like the whole Belgium spectrum. Um, I actually wasn't that into German beers at that time, probably because I was drinking a Chinese uh, interpretation of a German beer for a year straight. Um, so at that point, um, my dad and I started doing some homebrew and he was like, hey, we should make some beer. And I like was so naive. I'm like, how, how do you do it? And uh, we just went to the homebrew shop and just started making beer in, in there. My parents lived in a two-bedroom condo at that point. And uh, I lived with them for a short period of time there because I was trapped at home and just cooked up some batches on their stove. And uh, I still remember the first batch uh, my dad and I brewed. We kind of looked at each other after making a huge mess and He's like, let's do this. Let's open a brewery one day, <laughs> which I'm sure everybody says when they brew their first batch of beer, but I remember it clearly. <laughs> that's, um, that's a, yeah. So, I mean, long winded part of the story, but from there I, I spent a lot of time in restaurants working in kitchens and uh, I just got tired of it and I just quit my job and applied to every brewery in Vancouver. And at the time it was seven breweries. Wow. Now there's like 70 that's crazy. And uh, I got a job. It was right when the Olympics were coming to Vancouver. And I got a job working for R&B Brewing, uh, washing and filling kegs. And uh, so it was an amazing opportunity. The only reason they hired me is because they're going to be busy for, for the Olympics. I wouldn't have gotten a job otherwise. And so I was kind of mm-hmm. temporarily hired for a couple months to make sure they can get through the Olympics and laid off after that. And I was like, all right, I got had my opportunity. And wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And uh, a couple months later, they called me back and they're like, hey, we had someone leave, so we'd like to get you back and like maybe train you how to brew. And I was like, oh, this is it. Let's do it. So that's I it. spent uh, three, almost three years at R&B Brewing, and that's what Adam's wearing that shirt right now. This is an old-school T-shirt from when I used to work there. That's cool. That's their, like, this, this was probably, this is probably branded or designed with the mid-90s or something. Hey, like, <laughs> looks like 90s. it. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, a band t-shirt. I know. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, Dark Board, like the Three Floyds. That was Dark Star. Dark yes. Star Oatmeal Stout. Yeah. Classic. Which That's is, I don't know if they still make it, but that beer was banging back then. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. At the time working there, our dad, uh, Greg, was always on me like, let's do it. Let's open a brewery. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm working in a brewery. I'm trying to figure it out. And we got to the point where I was like, all right, I think I, I, think I know what to do. And I clearly, I had no idea. But he convinced me enough that 
to do it. So that got us to our trip down to San Diego. And so I had to go talk to uh, Rick and Barry, who are the owners of R&B. I'm like, guys, I want to let you know I'm going to the Craft Brewers Conference, which they were going to as well. But I'm going with my dad, and I'm going to be opening a brewery when I come back. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At the time, it wasn't very common for, like, a new brewery opening up. So they were pretty shocked. But they were super supportive, and they did everything they could to help us get our feet off the ground. It was just awesome. Um, But, yeah, that trip down to San Diego was so inspiring. So many amazing breweries. Everyone was booming. Everyone was making progressive IPAs and all sorts of things. And it was just yeah, it was, it was just the beginning. Like, like I said, there's seven or eight breweries in Vancouver at that time. And it's a whole new world now. Yeah. So then how long from when you guys got back to when you like, was it immediate? Like, all right, let's, we're doing this. Or was it kind of like, Uh, no, I think, I think it was probably, it's, it's shocking how fast we turned, we'd opened this brewery to be honest. I left so that we got back from San Diego sometime in like, April mm-hmm. and I left R&B uh, in September and then we started building this place. We got the lease for like the, uh, for December 1st, I think. And we opened up in June. That's actually, it was like six, six months. Bad, six months. It's crazy. Yeah. That's not better. And we were the only brewery in Delta and our, the city had never dealt with a brewery. And so they were, it was just pretty easy to deal with them at Time and we didn't really have to take out many permits or do a whole lot and we were pretty small scale when we first started too so it was uh yeah it was pretty it was pretty seamless like brent and greg like they made the decision that we were going to go forward with this and i was just completely amped about joining joining the team and so eventually i kind of got on board and our other brother sean got on board and we uh we had the keys. We've decided on this location that we're in now and we had the keys and we kind of just all like I was self-employed at the time. Sean was kind of just doing odd jobs. Brent had left his job. So it all kind of just like the four winds came together oh, in that moment. <laughs> oh, and that's Ooh. where the comes from? Nice. That's really. cool. No? Okay. No, it's actually, uh, it's, it's kind of a synchronicity or a coincidence that that's kind of what happened, but that's not necessarily what the name is about. Wow, that's crazy! Y'all just like aligned like Captain Planet and shit. That's that's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a fun time. Like when I think back to uh, to that time, like we were just we just went into this like really, like it was before this BC craft craft beer boom, right? So we went into this really blind and just with. It's funny. I'm gonna say blind enthusiasm, and there's a girl that in uh, Edmonton, I think. Right? Yeah, and they're great. But we went into this with this sort of like just this uh, kind of head down, just let's just, let's just do this mentality and kind of naive to the whole like understanding of what we were really creating, but we just worked hard at like building this brewery and we had a really slim budget. We just kind of, we put it together and we, we got our equipment in. We did it pretty much everything ourselves. Um, Brent was like plumbing and kind of learned how to do it on the fly. We hired out like some electricians and like steam fitters, but other than, it. other than that, we, we did everything and we built the place and, and uh, it was a really fun time. And, and when I think back at that, it was, there was no way we could have known what we were actually building, but we just had a lot of passion and sort of faith in what we were doing. So 
I love it. That's so that's so cool, man. Um, when it, so you're in the same place now then that you got back then, right? It's the same building. Yeah, it's, it's the same building, but we're in one of those like industrial park strata units. Like there's like those like bay, bay units oh. that have lots mm-hmm. of neighbors, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we we initially started with two units that were connected about four thousand square feet, and we've been sort of lucky enough or just I don't know the lucky, I guess is the word, but what happened was that sort of like neighbors kind of moved and then we took over their unit and then a friend had a, a friend owned a unit and we took over that unit. And so now we have 10 of these uh, 2000 square feet units. So we went from 4,000 square feet to, to 20,000 square feet, like where we started. So we were, that's a, a big part, a big factor in what our sort of success and our growth our the, our ability to grow is um, the, the, our ability to kind of take over neighboring like units, like strata units. And so um, it's been, we've been really fortunate that way because we started small and we were able to kind of grow by 2000 square feet at a time and, and add, add, oh. you know, reinvest, reinvest every year. Everything coming in goes into equipment, new tanks, new, you know, just new different pieces of equipment that we need. And, and uh, yeah, it's been kind of a uh, gradual organic growth. And in some ways it's, felt kind of rapid in some ways it feels like it's taken a long time but yeah right amazing so then when you opened do you guys remember the beers that you started with and are any of those ones around today Mm. absolutely yeah Yeah, the we so we started with the core four beers and we still brew those almost exactly the same we've tweaked them like I mean, I shouldn't say exactly the same at all because we've tweaked them so much, but <laughs> the outcome is supposed to be the same. We've just like manipulated and adjusted our uh, procedures and adjusted the raw materials and stuff. But yeah, we started, we, we launched with four beers. It was uh, what I, I was hoping we'd have a flagship Saison. Okay. So we, we brewed a Saison in the traditional sense, but we use a little bit of Cascade hops in the Whirlpool to make it a little bit more unique and and kind of our thing um and we did that pilsner i mentioned earlier which was like a czech inspired pilsner but in, but with some new zealand hops in there nice. uh and then an, an american pale ale that was inspired by uh mirror pond and uh sierra nevada so it was very much like an homage to the like roots of craft beer and uh the last beer we did was an ipa and we actually that time in 2012 2013 ipa hops were like so hard to get like we we actually like didn't even want to do an ipa because we couldn't even get centennial hops like centennial hops were unavailable let alone citra let alone mosaic let alone anything did they was like oh let's did 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 citra mosaic and all that stuff exist in 2013 yeah i think mosaic maybe came a couple years later but citra was there (laughs) i mean it was there, but we couldn't get it. Right. So were they, we, so we kept, were they exotic hops at the time? Like Centennial was like the like Nelson, the Nelson Sylvain of the time or something? I don't know if it was like exotic. I guess there was just uh, a couple of years earlier, there was like a huge fire in Yakima. I think it was like 2009. They lost like a fifth of the crop to one Whoa. fire. That's And uh, so they're still feeling the effects like five years later, I think. And, uh, but we were just like a 
new kid on the block. We had no, no one wanted to give us a chance. And like, it's so different now. The hot market is a whole new world, mm-hmm. whole different like scenario. But anyways, we ended up modeling or making an IPA and we ended up having to use a hot blend that I think was like, uh, because of that fire in Yakima back in 2009, 2010, they created like a blend of hops. So we ended up using Falconer's Flight, which is like a blend of Centennial, Cascade. I think there's even Citra in there. I don't know, a bunch of stuff to make our original IPA. And uh, honestly, like I didn't want to do it, but uh, our dad was like, no, we got to have an IPA. We're opening a brew. We got to have a fucking IPA. And <laughs> he was right. Um, and the beer is great. It's, it's just... Uh, we're still brewing the beer today and, and it's awesome, but it's still, we're still using Falconer's flight to keep that kind of flavor there. We've reduced it a lot over the years and it's, it's a pretty much like mostly Simcoe. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the fourth beer. And I, uh, but yeah, it was a crazy time for hops. Like couldn't get Centennial. <laughs> <laughs> That's like genuinely fascinating though. I never really thought about the availability and or existence of certain hops back then mm. i would i almost yeah. feel like it's like not by intention but most of the breweries we would probably interview might not have been around back then like there's been a few obviously but i would say most weren't so therefore it's not even a conversation and it's just something i never even like considered that's yeah. actually kind of hilarious so yeah so. yeah go, on. Right, go ahead. i was just gonna keep keep going please continue oh, i was just gonna say so with that like scarcity that that happened when we opened it like forced me like a fear of not being able to get hops so we had we ended up contracting so heavily over the next couple of years that we were still like feeling the effects of those contracts from when we first opened really? like we're our hop like our hop storage is like super long which uh i mean we're getting through it we're totally totally fine but it was like we had to sign contracts for a five-year contract on and trying to guess how much beer we'd be making five years from like a year after okay. opening. It was like a huge challenge. And, and then like trying to guess the beers we were going to make. And like, it was, it was, it was weird. Hard. Yeah. Damn. I mean, that. what's a typical hop contract now? I imagine not five years. It's, it's so different now. Like they, they used to tell you contract three years out. And now they're telling you contract half of what you're going to use next year. Okay. Why is that? What's that? Why is that? Why do they, why is that advice? Because, because they got so much now. There's the, so much hops. The availability has just grown substantially. Yeah. So it's more like when you need it. The business. Yeah. Is, is it more like when you need it, you can just be like, Hey man, can I get a couple kilos of this or whatever? Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, there there are still challenges for certain hops, like you said. Nelson is is very hard to get, mm-hmm. um, and we still we do contract. But yeah, we can still just call up our like we got a couple people in town that sell hops locally, um, and then we do contract still with Yakima. But, uh, I can get yeah, we can get hops here pretty quick. Okay, that's good. I mean, look for the proximity for you guys to you know to Yakima in general is pretty damn close in comparison to everything on the East coast. So I imagine it's probably some sort of simplicity. Does that make a difference to how close you are or is that not a factor? I think it's a factor. It depends. I don't know how it really works out there. I, I would assume that 
um, there's warehouses. They wouldn't store everything in Yakima and just ship it on dropship. Mm. Like, good point. <clears throat> so that's the thing. Like, I mean, we when we contract our hops with Yakima, we'll we'll pull in pallets at a time of hops and like these. It's like it's like uh, ten thousand dollars a pallet of hops. So it's like it's a huge expense. Yeah. Having that kind of inventory is challenging for a business, especially when they're us, like rapidly growing business, cash flow is tight, and yeah. having that kind of hot inventory is, is a bit of a challenge, but we're figuring it out. Okay. We're still we're still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Like so like crazy. French mobs. Yeah, right? Do they I imagine they keep long enough. Oh yeah, yeah. These are like vacuum sealed, aren't they? They're vacuum sealed, uh, pelletized. So, you know, the pelletization is really going to uh, sort of condense the, the potency and keep the freshness in there. And then the vacuum seal, we keep them in a freezer, um, not like not like minus 18. I think it's like minus six or eight or something like that okay. um, degrees. So, yeah, no, they, they last they last a long time. They keep they keep well. OK, that's not so bad. But but the, but, but, but to, yeah, like the. That the, the the supply has caught up to the demand is really the, the key, right? Okay, so that's that's good to know. I mean, like, because I typically yeah. would hear, yeah, like I typically hear. But, from the, specialty, but the specialty ones, the real kind of the romantic ones, the ones that like you know, there there are ones that are hard to get, like Sabro sure. and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the ones that are the the, the trendy stuff, or whatever, whatever. Okay, I mean, yeah. that, that makes sense. Um, I mean, so back then, so you actually opened in 2013 then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mid 2013. Um, how did you, I mean, like you were saying, I'm sort of curious about the, I guess the trends and how you guys would have seen those trends, uh, change over time because you would have been like at the forefront of it. And I feel like at, over these last, I don't know, from what do you, 2016 through now, there's probably been the most changes as far as trends, I feel like mm. still everyone was trying to get the most bitterness and, you know, West Coast style up until 2014, 15 type of thing. And then it kind of changed in 2016 with a bit more of the New England stuff. And then there just seems to be more trendy stuff like brewed IPAs and smoothie sours and blah, 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 all the crazy stuff. What, how did you yeah. guys, what, what were some of the trends like at the time, like around the 2013 mm. through 2016 type of period? And did you, uh, not give in to them, but did you participate or did you kind of just always do your own thing? Uh, I'm trying to think of the trends. And I mean, I think Saison's were feeling kind of fresh at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, although obviously hundreds of years old, like there were not too many available. Right. And Brent, Brent was keen on, on, on doing a Saison. And I think we, the first batch Brent ever brewed, like, six weeks before we opened or whatever it was, um, was, was, was a Saison. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, half of the batch went into barrels yeah. with Britannomyces. Um, can't remember what strain exactly, but Bruxelines. Yeah. Brux, and uh, put that in barrels for six, 12 months. And that became our Operus or our Brett Saison. Mm. And um, that was, to me, that kind of like, when that when when we took that out of barrels and bottled that, conditioned it, and and tr and tried it, like sampled it, I was like, I was pretty blown away. I was like, I can't believe that's the first batch you brewed, that you brewed. And uh, to me, that was kind of like I 
I had never, I had tried only a couple Brett beers before that. And one was uh, the Commons Flemish Kiss. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The, Com- the Commons was a Port- Portland brewery okay. who we, uh, we kind of, we respected a lot. And Brent had a relationship with the, the brewer there at the time. And anyways, the, the, the Brett style was something that I wasn't really familiar with until trying that beer and then like trying Brent's beer. And uh, that opened up a lot of things for me. So I think that, was we were pretty early on that and the saisons in general um and bottle condition putting a beer in like, like a fancy like 750 mil like champagne style bottle almost with a cork and a wire hood yes so, yeah it wasn't really anybody doing that we were kind of we were trying to make beers that we that we really wanted that we wanted to drink but we also wanted to uh showcase some sort of like uh, some specialty stuff that, you know, that we could, uh, separate, uh, you know, to, oh, oh shit. Hey, look at that. Um, yeah. yeah, that was another one, right? Brent, that was, that was that one was, of the early ones. So that was brew number 18. Wow. You remember it. That's great. Oh yeah. That yeah. went in barrels like early, early on. And I remember like, it just took, it took a long time to sour. Yeah. Yeah. We, I used too much hops, so it didn't get it didn't get sour enough. So we had to actually brew a beer two <laughs> years later and blend it in. Okay. And, uh, we, so that's a four year and a two year blended and then bottled, and that was that was almost four years ago packaged. So that beer is almost eight years old. Yeah. Shit. Adam was telling me to because uh, I, I was telling actually Adam <laughs> on New Year's Eve I was in Toronto with uh, Tiff, my partner's mom uh, lives there, and we're allowed to go with COVID because she lived by herself. So we spent New Year's there, and I had a bottle i think of the same year that this was from the operas with the cork and cage oh yeah so we busted that out for new year's eve um mm. and then i've still hung on to this one and adam was like you should probably uh get into that soon <laughs> just because otherwise it might get a little little too old because i guess you don't know what the corks and how the corks hold you know over time yeah and i mean our our packaging procedures have gotten way better back then we were just Using a gravity filler, old Italian style. Now we're using like a evac automated Italian bottle filler, which is so much better. But I, I think that bottle is probably good. I haven't tried one of those in over a year, but I'm sure it's good, man. I'm, last, I'm, last time I tried it, it was I was thinking it was like Coca Cola was the flavors that I was getting on it. Okay, big time. Wow, you happy with that still? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but I I was kind of digging it. Okay, you're right because like you know how it goes, man. Like you get stuff and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna drink it, and just because this is like the cork and caged and like it's got this beautiful like textured label, I'm like, this just feels like special occasion. Then you get lazy and you put it again. No, I can't just crack it. It's Tuesday. I can't just be drinking this thing. <laughs> like it's got to be for something. That's the most expensive label that ever existed. I think. Really. <laughs> I'm almost surprised it's got like uh, in, the gold well, embossing. That, that that part, but that label is actually wood. It's wood. It's veneer. Yo, is that why? Because it's like no, cracked a little bit on the back here. Yeah, yeah, dude, that label is actually 100% wood. Yo, that's amazing. Like, there's no. You gotta stop holding these. Yeah, stop. What, <laughs> yeah, I know. I gotta drink these shit sooner. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> It was That's our fifth crazy. anniversary. We had to go all out. Yeah, man. What we did you probably, sell that for? We probably wouldn't. We probably wouldn't do that again. 
No, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> it's probably 2025. I think it's. I think it was 1119 wholesale, so that would land it at the store like, at like 18, 18 to 22. Bucks, yeah. yeah, 18, 20. Completely sure. reasonable. Yeah, I traded Daniel for it, so that's why I don't know what it, what it cost. Um, yo, that is so sick. Okay, yeah, it's just one of those things. You know what it's like? You get these and you just hang on to stuff, and all of a sudden you end up with a million bottles of things just sitting around. You're like, ah, oh, shit, now I need. I mean, I mean, it's past its prime, but it's still going to be delicious. Yes, and I, I enjoyed Operas for that, but I also felt like it wasn't what it just because of the age. I think it was what, what yeah. you that would have been in 2017, 2018, something like that. Why don't you try the operas now? Yes. You want to crack that? You want to do that before we do the IPAs? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do yeah. the operas, man. We're talking Both. about operas right now. So. Yeah, hell yeah. All so right. we got the sexy glass for it. So, so operas is the um, – I'm going to go around and grab it in a sec. But operas is the – I guess it's like – is it the original Saison that you guys did or it was the – Yeah, sort of like, it's originally – so yeah, like Adam will say in our first batch of Saison went into barrels with Keep talking. and yep. bottled it. Uh, that was at that time we called it Brett Saison. We rebranded it as Operas maybe a year and a half later. And uh, we've actually like changed the recipe a little bit. It's not just our Saison. We've dialed back the bitterness. We've added a little more uh, dextrin malt to give the Brett a little more food to chew on while sitting in barrels. But uh, we used to be this. They used to be exclusively in barrels. Now it's a blend of a fooder that we Solera, and then uh, also barrels. So it's it's a blend. And, and then also, we also uh, <clears throat> started bottling it in our four pack uh, package recently. Which for us, like this beer, Operas is like day's work, and like it's just like a, a blue collar beer. It's obviously like a little more complex than a, a, a crispy crispy boy but like this is just something to drink after a hard day's work and that's kind of why we wanted to make it a more accessible format yeah we've taken some of the beers that we used to do in uh the 750 mil corking cage and we put them in a four pack and they're mostly like farmhouse ales or barrel aged or fooder aged uh farmhouse ales and like like brent said just a little bit more accessible uh we lowered the price point by putting it in a four pack like price point per sort of liter or per serving and um you know, you can you can you can buy one four pack and you can you can you can trade a trade one or two and share one or two and drink one. Yeah. Or two. You don't have to open you don't have to open a bottle and have the whole thing. It's a little bit more versatile. So we 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 put we put this out once or twice a year. I think sometimes about twice a year actually, twice a year. Okay. And uh, and the big bottles are always around. Yeah. Exactly. So the so we. Yeah, nice. We don't. It's not a large. It's not a large quantity batch. It's probably about. I think it's about eight thousand liters or something like that. And we uh, we put it out twice a year. So generally, because these beers, you know, everybody, and it's a little bit higher price point. They do last a little bit longer. But, but this, you right. know, it has a cap. Um, wow. You know, it's a little bit more accessible. Yeah. So is this like? Would you consider this like a like on Untapped? Would this be Operas Twenty Twenty? Uh, yeah, it yeah. would be. I, I, that's a good question. Yeah, I think. Yeah, offers twenty twenty. Do we actually separate our years? I think we. I think we might. Like, yeah. I think we, we. I don't think we do it, but users have. Yeah, users do that. Yeah. So this would be offers twenty twenty. So then, the difference between this and the one that I had on New Year's is this is non-barrel aged. Like I heard you say, the no. Food, no? 
or is it the same? Yeah, same, yeah, same no, thing. It's very much. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is fresh. All right. Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm actually genuinely excited to be uh, transparent. Knows. Yeah, man. I'm I'm typically not a fan of um, uh, saisons in general. Saison. Yeah. yeah, but like when there's like a certain style of them that I do like. Um, I don't know. There's something about just the late. I want to talk about your branding uh, shortly because it's just exquisite and it just makes everything just such an experience. Anyway, cheers, guys. It's really regal. Cheers. Mm. See, this is what I'm talking oh, about. Man. No, no boost. This is what I'm talking about in the saison because it's like it's light. What is it? Six, six, five. Barely tastes six, five. It's got a little bit of that chewy mouthfeel that kind of hits you on the back of the tongue. I'm getting a lot of delicate yeah. citrus, like lemon, um, yeah. through it. There's no phenols. I don't like bubblegum or banana tasting saisons. They don't really like work so well for me. So I like it when the best way I describe it is like the, the Hill Farmstead kind of style. I don't know really what yeah. you would describe it as, but this is in that. This is in that way. This is fantastic. Yeah, the amazing. The, <clears throat> This beer, like originally coming out of the fermenter before it goes into the, the fooder or the barrels, is is quite like bubblegummy. Okay, it's got that vibe. But but through the like, it's about six months. Really, it's not like a specific six months. We just go on taste. But sometimes it's quicker. Sometimes it's longer. Right. Um, it definitely, uh, the the Brett comes in and and kind of softens that side of it but also like brings in a new like kind of crisp fresh aroma Ooh. and uh we, we actually so yeah we a little bit different than the barrel or the bottle you popped on yours we actually blend in like 10 percent fresh saison on this now when we package which i forgot about okay um Oof. which makes it just a little more fresher tasting and that's what i think like anything in a cork and cage people are like oh this is this is ageable this is and it, it is but like I don't know. This kind of beer is best fresh, I think, even though it, it is ageable, but like it's got to be crisp still. It really just the Brett character keeps, com it gains complexity over the years and aging, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that might be what you're looking for sometimes, but this beer is great fresh and it completely changes if you age it a few years. But I feel like because mm. it wasn't that long ago that I had. Um, the last one, I definitely don't recall this level of uh, bright citrus, and I feel like yeah. it wasn't, I feel like it was like it's not not muted because of time, but like it just it's the brightness. There's like something that's super bright about this. That, um, that's it. Yeah, that's why I think fresh is important because it, it does lose its brightness. Yeah, for sure. And like mm -hmm. like well, like Adam, you were saying, like it is. There's nothing wrong with that change. But it is really interesting to see them sort of like – it would have been actually extra interesting to do that side by side with the other one. I didn't know – I thought that was like a special annual thing that you did as opposed to like – you know, this, this is actually even cooler. I like – I prefer this because it's like – this is an easy drink. Was it 3.30? Yeah. 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 This is perfect. Way more special. Yeah. And like because then it doesn't get you caught up in the um, – I don't know. What's the, the word? Commitment. The commitment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, and like I said, it's great to have things that feel like an event. It really is important to have these products too, um, and that's why people be willing. It's a damn tree on a label, like it's amazing, um, like to, <laughs> to, you know, to keep those sort of things for an occasion and to make it feel like an occasion. But I like to be able to have something that's also just as special, but 
you could have it on any night and you could just have a, a single to yourself and just enjoy it without having to worry about crushing the 750 or putting a little stopper in it or something like that, which is super yeah. cool. Um, Montreal Beer Page is uh, in the building. What's up, bro? He says, got the Edna and Pomona sitting in the cellar. Makes me want to open one of them up soon. Nice. What are those two beers? I'm not familiar. So uh, what was it? Pomona and Edna? Edna, yeah. yeah. So those are both uh, fruiter-age, sour, fruited beers that we do. <clears throat> Edna's uh, – so Edna's actually interesting play off of Operas. So um, maybe the second batch that we did of Operas, we isolated two barrels that were tasting really good, and we crammed in some cranberries nice. and some like, wildly wild-harvested uh, crab apples. And wow. so we, kind of, we let that condition for like a year. So we only had two barrel, two barrels of it. So it was the crab apples gave it like a crazy like English cider uh, profile, like real funky. Definitely the funkiest beer we make. And uh, so the first launch, we only we only released uh, five hundred bottles, five hundred bottles because it was only two barrels. Uh, and it was the only time like. Like we are saying earlier, we're in the middle of nowhere. No, there's no one that actually like lives within walking distance of where we are. It's an industrial complex. But when we released that beer, we had a we had a lineup. Is the first time like this is like lineups were not normal back then, and they're pretty normal now in the U.S. beer world. Not so much in, in not, not around not around here. Like that was that was right. that was different. Yeah. So I mean, we only had enough bottles for the people in line, and it was this was in like 2000. And, 15? 14? 14? 14? Anyways, I don't know. We were blown away. Like, we've never seen anything like it. No one ever tried this beer. Um, people were just fired up, and that beer was was awesome. So we, we've continued to make it. We've expanded upon it. We have a designated fooder that we keep on uh, filling and, and, and doing. And the beer is awesome. It's definitely our most funky beer. It's sour. It's beautiful color from the cranberries. Uh, nice acid profile. Uh, really nice. And then Pomona is another one that we do. It's, it's essentially like a Belgian wit beer without the spices. Okay. And, uh, then we aged it for about a year in a fooder with Lacto and Brett. And we, we let it condition a little further with, um, apricots, whole apricots. So we, we just pound apricots. We leave the kernel in there, give it the flavor and nectarines. Huh. So it's nectarines and apricots and yeah. So the, the, the fruit gets fully fermented out. Um, and you get a little bit of like uh, bitter almond from the uh, apricot. Pit. Yeah, super nice. Um, yeah, that one's good. We did another version of Pomona uh, this past year where we did blackberry and raspberry. So same base beer, but blended it with uh, some other fruit. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. Wow. That's so cool. I love that you guys yeah, are with the Go. That was a time, like when Brent was talking about that first batch of Edna that came out, that reminded me that back then um, in 2014 and 20, 2013, 2014, like there was a lot of excitement around beers being released. There were so few new beers, you know, there was mm. in our in our kind of in our community, in our lower mainland here. And when a new beer came out, sort of everybody knew about it because it was there wasn't that many. And so that was a that was a point in time when you would release something really interesting and you put it on social media and you literally had, you knew everybody was coming down that day to pick it up and it would be gone in a day or two. And, uh, you know, there's so many, 
there's so many great things about having a million breweries in the mix because there's just an infinite amount of amazing beers. But that was an interesting time. Um, just thinking about, you know, the, those days when you release something occasionally and it was super special and everybody came out to get it. So that was cool. It feels like you guys never really bought into the um, have to drop a new beer every week type of uh, hype, which is which is cool. No, no, we. I mean, we we do release a lot of new beers, but no, you're right. We never we never uh, we didn't build our business plan around that. We built our business plan around like our business model around achieving like the highest standard and quality that we could and consistently execute those beers and consistently have really, you know, great examples of the styles that we're trying to do continuously available, constantly available. So we kind of built our business model around having um, a certain amount of year round beers available at, at the liquor store and at our, you know, at our, at our tasting room. And then we would occasionally release something new and interesting, uh, you know, to, to build some excitement and, and that kind of thing. And, and just to, you know, appease our own um, desire to have something new and interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, you're right. I mean, it was, it was mostly around year round kind of like quality, high quality execution, just banging out beers that we really, really wanted to like beers that were just, you know, beer, beer, like, you know, stuff that you can drink kind of every day and just the high quality version of, of that. So but we do get a very experimental and we, we have our barrel program and we occasionally release like new IPAs or new, you know, lagers and things like that. So we, we probably do release, I would say a new beer every, I don't know, two, three weeks, maybe. But, yeah. But not, oh, not, average. Not, not one or two, not one or two a week kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is good. I mean, I feel like there's, like, there's got to be some room for uh, like tweaking the recipes and, and perfecting the regular stuff. Yeah. It's almost like, I, I never really thought of it now, but I always felt, I mean, maybe because we're out here and you guys are a luxury to get hold of your stuff on the East Coast. Um, but I feel like there was not that same pressure for a brewery like yourself. I don't know if it's in the branding where it's just this, like, you know, elegant, like Brad said, like classy thing that people aren't expecting, like, all right, so what's, you know, what's your four new beers this week? Like, there's like, there's, I feel like there was a lot of excitement all the time whenever even if it was like nectarus or juxtaposed like the ipas that are around regularly and not necessarily difficult to get but there was yeah. still like a high level of excitement around those beers did you guys find that and i i mean, I, I know i could be reaching a bit but i just like something i'd sort of thought about now like it, unless i'm thinking of a time before that because that expectation is probably a newer thing as opposed to yeah, older I, thing. I, it's interesting. We brewed those beers like Juxtapos and Nectaris for like year one for us. Like those were, those weren't like, those are not new beers. We've been brewing those. Yeah. Year one. Right. And, uh, but the problem, the thing that happened with those beers is that we didn't really plan on having uh, new full-time beers when we opened and we'd only a certain amount of fermentation space. And we were, we were pretty green. We didn't really know how to maximize our, our cellar space with with brewing and and scheduling and stuff so the beers were super limited for years only because we already committed to like draft lines of our other beers elsewhere and like we we had a real strong commitment to like not 
letting like restaurants down if they put our beer uh on their menu we were never going to let them run out of that beer mm-hmm. so uh juxtapose and nectars for years were were not really available for draft it was only packaged product and like only like maybe the last two or three years four years yeah. we've, we've been able to scale those beers up and, and get them available like everywhere but also to that point like bc's got like a unique packaged product market like we sell our beer in 900 stores yeah i don't know in that like wow. 600 stores across across the province Pro- probably more like yeah more like five, yeah five six probably in that range yeah that's a lot 900 to a thousand 900 to a thousand uh pounds i think maybe what you're thinking yeah five, maybe five or five or six hundred liquor stores though. yeah so so there's a lot of people buying packaged products and uh i don't know the draft games come Anyways, I don't know where I'm getting at. <laughs> no, no, I was like, that's that you kind of you answered the question though, because I was curious the way there was constant um, desire for those beers, but it sounds like there was an unintentional scarcity, which meant that oh, yeah. they're dropping juxtaposing, and I need to make sure I grab some this time. I got to trade this dude out here, blah, blah blah. Like I feel like there was, like I feel like your stuff has always been um, sought after, even if it was the same beer that you've been doing for eight years which is weird yeah. in, the, in the best possible way that there's still a desire to be like, if, you know, if anyone saw it, they're like, Oh, let me grab that because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that again for another couple of months. Yeah. Type of thing. You know, it's pretty cool. Of, yeah. It's, it's super cool. Daniel is saying, uh, yeah. go. On. No, you go. He just said juxtapose is great. Goes down a solid on draft with brunch in Vancouver. Thanks for putting it out there. Yes. On draft at popular spots. Look at that brunch beers. I love that. Nice. It's, it's very much a brunch beer. I remember when we were first, uh, we we brewed that beer on a whim. Um, actually, fuck. I guess I should tell the story. Um, so Kylo and I. Uh, so Kylo's our head brewer. He's pretty much the motor around here. It keeps things fucking going. Super creative dude. He's he's a big brain behind a lot of these beers. Um, not, not quick to take any credit. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a huge part of what we are. And, uh, so we, we kind of like, we're, we're messing around with, with kettle sour beers in 2013 and like kind of thought they're a little silly, but also we're amazed by like the flavor. Um, and so we kind of did some pilot batches and, and we're like, fuck, this is really good balls to, to do like a full batch and so we kind of just like let it go um but one day we were brewing our saison and our boiler broke and we had a kettle full of saison war with no hops in it and so it was either dump it or try to try to make a sour beer with it and so we decided to it was a friday too so we had we had three days until we needed the brew house again so we pitched pitched our lacto culture sealed it up bubbled CO2 through it throughout the weekend, came back and uh, super, super nice wort, boiled it off. The first first like couple of years, Nectris was a kettle sour, uh, boiled it off and fermented it out. Um, and like that beer, we we're like, okay, this beer works. And like, we weren't the first one to do anything like that uh, by no means, but definitely the first ones around here and people were, losing their shit for it. <laughs> uh, 
So the first batch was like fluke. And I mean, I say they fluke, but a, a unique happy, situation. Happy accident. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So through the years, like Nectaris, have you guys, I'm sure you guys are aware, has been awarded very highly uh, in this pro in this country. And uh, I, I think it's amazing. It, I still, I still believe it's the standard for dry hop sour beers. Um, but there was a point where I didn't really like it. I was like, this, I don't like this beer. And it was maybe a couple months after it won like Canadian beer of the year. And I was like, what are we going to do here? And uh, so Kylo and I sat down, we talked about what we didn't like about it. And it was the off flavors coming from boiling, uh, uh, a live culture kind of we we just found that like that was that was disgusting um okay. obviously like we were just being hypercritical and and as as people making the beer we weren't that stoked on it so we decided from that point forward we find a way to brew the beer and keep the culture alive so now the beer is is a beer like uh it's got live lacto in it so um, not very common. I don't know a lot of breweries out there doing doing a dry hop sour with like a live culture in it. It's it's a little bit dangerous. Uh, but that's yeah, that's that's nectarous. And so it's not a is, it's not an IPA then. No, I mean it's if you call um, it a sour IPA, it's in the same category. But for us, we never designed it that way. That was kind of something that came later. Like we right. saw people, I saw people calling this style of beer a sour IPA. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of the category. But for us, it was it was dry out sour. But they're kind of the same in my mind. You always find that mm. in line, like they're kind of much the same. Like you call it sour IPA. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this could easily have been a, like a kettle sour or something. But yes, I don't recall many, if any, like lacto live culture uh, dry hop sours as opposed to a kettle sour, like a, a couple, but not too much. I can think of some in the States, but not, not too many up, uh, up here, which is great. Um, yeah, that's fascinating yeah. that that's how that came about. Um, I did want to talk about the, since we keep bringing up the labels all the time, I want to like talk about the branding. Was it always this kind of really elegant thing with the gold and everything from the beginning or did that kind of develop over time? Um, it, the gold kind of came about, well, yeah, there was some elements of gold kind of from the beginning. There was always, there was always a classic kind of timeless vibe to it, like an ornate kind of classic vibe that kind of was contra juxtaposed or contrasted with like a modern kind of element to it. So it all started with um, uh, a friend of, of ours, a friend of mine named Andy Dixon, who's uh he's a local artist from north vancouver who's like a multi-medium kind of like painter like you know artist uh but also a musician just all around like incredibly talented artistic um genius i would say right. um and he was doing some graphic design at the time and so i when we were working on uh the original concept for the brewery he was really the only person in, in mind, in mind for me. And so when we, when we first got together with him, we, we, we had a meeting, we had our initial discussions and we kind of like told him what we were thinking about doing. And, and it just, it happened like really organically, but we just automatically were like, okay, he's our guy. And we just kind of trusted him. 
and he he kind of ran with all of the the information that we fed him about what the brewery is what it's about what we're trying to do he originally was like okay well if you were if you were a color like what color would you be and we had we were like well blue because we're greg was really into the blue and four winds is kind of a nautical um there's a theme to it there and so Mm. blue is our our sort of our our root um in the color scheme and everything built off of that but there was yeah he he kind of put together um something that was we wanted something that was classic and timeless but also kind of modern and cutting edge in a way Mm. um and so there was kind of we drew from the kind of european ornateness but also this kind of modern kind of uh west like western culture kind of classic kind of modern aesthetic so it's a real mashup but the result is um something pretty unique i think and and classic and and, and timeless in a lot of ways i love it you guys gotta go you guys gotta look up andy andy dixon yeah asap he's He's, so he's a full full full-time artist now like uh multimedia like dixon take a look take a look at him on when we were so he was when growing up i was in punk bands and uh just doing some really like cutting edge like music and it was always we were always like big fans of his music and things like that and um he was dating uh a a girl who was my friend's sister and so i kind of knew him like early on back in high school and then just followed him, his his career and his progression. But he's become this like really like prolific, renowned artist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's he's verified. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, he's in LA. Okay, he's in he's in LA now, and he's he's just doing phenomenal work. Like, just check check it out. Hmm. Like, it's incredible. So he did our original branding. He did our original logo. He did our original uh, bottle, our original labels up until I would say uh, he did everything for us up until I would say 2000 and maybe 15, 15 maybe in yeah. that, in that range. 14, 15. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we were fortunate. <laughs> we were looking for tasting room staff and we hired a, a really cool dude named Justin Longos to work in our tasting room. Okay. And at the time, you know, he didn't know, and you know who Justin is, yeah. Yeah. At the time, he didn't. We didn't know that he had graphic design uh, background or an artistic background. Um, so he was working for us in the taste room, doing a great job, holding it down, and kind of. We slowly kind of began to to know, get to know him better, and, and realized he was a great artist, and started. You know, he started showing us some things, and we started saying, "Hey, why don't we? Why don't we work on a project together?" And Kind of it was a it was a gradual organic transition from Andy doing all of our label work and all of our brand work to Justin now doing all of our label work and all of our our branding work and so it was a cool it was a cool experience like it was like it wasn't like Andy kind of we we kind of cut ties and went you know went in our new direction it was real gradual we worked together we would run things by Andy we Justin would come up with designs we would refine them we would we would kind of try to think like you know, what, what were some of the, what were some of the, um, what sort of would, would Andy kind of do in this context or like, you know, so we would kind of think about where we started, where we came from and tried to kind of build a seamless kind of bridge to our, to our new, um, like our, our, our new kind of like label and design and aesthetic program. So yeah. And Justin's done a phenomenal job. He's, he's, uh, he's doing everything for us now. And I work closely with him all the time and that's, 
a really uh, uh, a great advantage and benefit that we have. We have a full-time graphic designer who does does all of our you know design work, um, but also our social media. And uh, yeah, he's in the office 20 feet from me. And so it's really nice to have that ability to have somebody who's there at all times to bounce ideas off and, and keep the creative flow going. So That's really cool. Mm-hmm. What's what's been the difference between what Andy did and what Justin did? Was it just sort of like a progression, or, or was like the logo, the actual like the, the the top logo was that is that basically the same? And then it was all this newer gold. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I think like Andy basically set sort of a, a bit of a template for us in the sense that we decided, we decided on certain fonts, we decided on certain uh, certain color um, uh, so palette. Um, and, uh, and just in kind of an overall, like, yeah, the logos, the logos to kind of spacing in certain parts of the, the, the text and copy on the, on the, on the label, just an overall design sensibility that Andy kind of laid down for us that Justin is, uh, really kind of brought on and inherited and kept alive throughout our, uh, our new stuff. So, um, I think it's been Justin's kind of found a way to uh, understand what Four Winds is and how to incorporate all of that stuff in his work. Like he's he's done a great job of that. Yeah, man. Just to keep it consistent as well. Yeah, and it's not easy to keep things consistent when you're when you're coming out with new beers all the time. You know, that's one that is a challenge that we have. Like, how do we come up with something new and unique and and um, you know that can stand out, but that can also kind of have kind of be rooted in our in our original aesthetic and brand. And that's something that Justin's done a good, great job of. And it's that, that's a challenge though. It's, it's not easy. Like some, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something and be like, ah, oh, maybe that doesn't look like us. And then we'll have to go back to the drawing board and, and kind of go from there. But it's, it's a challenge to figure out when you're doing all, all these new beers, like are, does this beer fit into a, an existing series? Do you replicate, you know, a label that you've already done and, and, and make some adjustments to it. Do you do something totally new? That's something that we kind of, you know, we, we talk about all the time. And so it's, it's an ongoing, you know, creative uh, challenge. Yeah, man. Yeah, it seems like you keep your bottles, um, the labels of the bottles are very regal, like color wise and it's the design and they look extra special. They're definitely like high quality. And then like the cans look a little brighter, a little more busy, a little more fun. Is that on purpose? Like you want to keep like a like the class sort of difference, I guess. Um, yeah, the idea. But the that's, idea yeah, I like, I like the class. Yeah, the idea there with that 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 the uh, the the classic kind of subtle kind of uh, yeah, like high end vibe. I guess you would say of something like mm. this is is meant to kind of resemble like what's inside the bottle, old world beer, kind of that um, you know more specialty kind of European influenced beers, you know what I mean? Whereas the, whereas the cans, they might be a little bit more bold and more, you know, color blocking patterns and different things like that. And that's going to represent the what's in the can. And and it's kind of a bit more of a modern, like full flavored kind of, uh, you know, um, something more experimental or, you know, IPAs, Mm. sours, And so, yeah, I think it's the differentiator is is uh, is is what's in the what's 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 inside it. You know, is it is it an old world something uh, beer that we're trying to um, trying to uh, 
trying to convey that, that message on the package or is it something new and interesting and bright and bold and we're trying to convey that on the package? I love it. love it. Yeah, man, that makes a, makes a lot of sense. And I feel like now in hindsight, I think I remember when Justin reached out to add us to the mailing list. And I feel like around that time, that's when there was probably a shift in branding. It might have been a couple of years ago. So now I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. We've got, you know, what one thing that we have done is that we've come out with so many different beers that we tried to figure out, do these beers is there, do these beers have a home somewhere and do they, do they, um, uh, are, are they connected to some other beers that we've made and there, is there similarities? And so do, do they belong in a group or a series? And so one thing that kind of worked out for us is that we had our original four beers and that's our original series and that something that we still make. And then we started making like juxtaposing Nectarist and they were more new world and kind of like uh, more edgy and, and kind of more bold in some ways. And so we wanted the packaging to, to resemble that. And so that became a, a new series and that was the Zephyrus series. And that's um, kind of based off of like, you know, uh, more new kind of West coast, like hop forward beers. Right. Um, so that was that series and anything that we produced that kind of resembled or fit within those uh, um, characteristics or, you know, that would that would wind up there, and then we also had the Eurus series, which was kind of the opposite opposite end of the spectrum, which would be something like Operus or our Triplicity, which is a Belgian triple, um, or mm. you know different saisons and things like that. And so mm. those are kind of an, an odor and homage to the more old world European influenced uh, beers that you could uh, that were barrel aged, or you could that you could uh, could could cellar and things like that. And so they be, there became these series and these these homes for these beers, and they we kind of wound up with multiple series that had very different aesthetics to them, but there was some, um, some, some things that kind of tied them all together. And that's kind of the color palette, the, the, the font, the logos and yeah, the placement and that kind of thing. So, and like, just to touch on that, like the, what's slowly becoming like our, our biggest thing is, is the notice series, which, yeah. which I don't, I don't know if it gets much, like hype online, but but that yeah, the, we talked about earlier. Elementary lager, so all these beers are four and a half percent. So the whole goal is that these are full flavored and and they're not super heavy alcohol. So elementary lager, four and a half percent. We do featherweight IPA, which is four four and a half percent IPA, uh, and then we have La Maison, which is. Uh, a dry hop uh, farmhouse ale, yep. which is exclusively dry hop with mosaic, which is like probably my favorite beer we do. And then uh, just today we released the the fourth beer in that series that we do only in the spring and summer is uh, Velo, yes. which is uh, American pale ale, yeah, with uh, uh, lemon juice and zest and salt. So essentially, that beer is modeled after lemon Gatorade. <laughs> oh, sick. Yes, that's the, one of the OGs. The yeah, um, so go. So yeah, the, the note like so these these are the. This is like our new. I mean, this isn't that new. We've been brewing these beers for five years. Like, what's what's becoming the most popular for us? They're just beers that you know they're. They're in a six pack of cans. They're three fifty five mil. They're all under five percent. They're all like four and a half percent, and they're super easy drinking. But they're as flavorful as they are approachable, 
and they just are like Brian said, that's that's kind of becoming a bit, sort of a bread and butter. Like it's like people want to take those to the beach. They want to take them camping. They want to take them to, you know, hiking or or whatever. It's very versatile. You know, they're mm. crushable. They're sessionable. And there's a there's a spectrum of them in the series. And so they've, they've gone really well for us. The featherweight IPA is one. I think I sent that to you guys. Oh, yeah. Should we do that now? Let's do that. Yeah. That's that's yeah. Like a, a really easy drinking IPA. It's kind of your everyday IPA, and it it's uh, you can you can have more than one, so it's it's nice. That's the plan. I'm gonna go grab mine. Do you see? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I love it. You tried yours the other day, no? It's on a bike ride, right? I did. Yeah. So as you said, um, people have been you know they like a lighter percentage option with still the the flavor there. So I ride mountain bikes and I go now that it's winter I'm not on the trails but I'm riding on the bike path and if I go on a long enough ride I'll bring something to crush and this is what I actually brought last week and it's had halfway and because it's four and a half you can just keep pedaling you can keep running or whatever you're doing and it's just a really nice break so this has a nice pocket because it's the full flavor without the sting of the alcohol so you can take it if you're going on some sort of joy Right, whether it's exercise or just recreational, sort of cool. just wandering. But yeah, that that's uh, I used it in the, that exact setting last week. So thank you. <laughs> that's exactly it, man. That's that's what it's all about, and I'm glad you experienced it like that because that's what it's that's what the intention is. Yeah, I love Sweet. it. Yeah, well, it's, it's a small can too, so I can put it in my bag because I have one of those backpacks with uh, the water bladder in it. So I put ice in that and then put the beer next to it. Nice and cozy until like waist up, so it's it's perfect. Nice. Daniel's saying featherweight is perfect for those long barbecue sessions. He's right. There you go. What? This is bro- like Daniel actually sent me this Velo and the La Maison like years ago. So I tried them like the, when the um uh, and looked a little different than this. Um, what? Would you call because I haven't had this for quite some time? This is brilliant. It's like this. It's like a super tropical, like it's kind of like a east meets west, maybe. Being that it's like it's not like a piney bitter bomb, but it's also not a hazy juice either. Yeah, it's sort of somewhere yeah. in the middle that's just light and and fruity and a, a pleasure to drink. Uh, yeah, I think. Agreed. I mean, my my perspective is like you can't go. At this alcohol percentage, you can't go west coast all the way. It's gonna be too bitter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like a kind of west coast meets an American IPA. I felt anyway. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. That's kind of where it is. Like we're not we're not about like the clarity of this beer. We're not. We don't. It's not gonna be a hazy beer, but we don't want it to be crystal clear. Uh, so it, it comes through a little little hazy, but not not in in the modern hazy sense. Um, but yeah. Mosaic, uh, Amarillo, Simcoe kind of take the lead on this one. And yeah, we just try to try to give it enough body that it's not like thin, but not, not like too much. Ooh. It's like, nice trouble, yeah. Sessions can kind of go either way. I find as far as like what, you know, the amount of flavor or if they, you know, kind of start to taste like fizzy beer flavored water type of thing. But I feel like yeah. 4.5 is like a nice – it's actually kind of ballsy for a session, arguably. But I like I like that. Like I feel like it's like just enough so that you've got the body and it holds the flavor. Mm-hmm. 
and then you've got um but you can like like Daniel was saying you can crush those literally all day with no problem and so the body's super like, important because otherwise yeah yeah no so you're right you're 100 and also that the hop combo is perfect for this it's like it's like just a nice middle thing it's almost like hard to describe where where this fits in this new back in the day it's just yeah it's a session ipa you don't really like think about yeah. it i feel like now it's like it's so what is it like is it trying to be west coast is it american ipa is it east coast like like you know it's like hard to yeah. put it in a box and that's the automatic go-to as a drinker you want to be like well what is it supposed to be like session ipa bro shut up and drink it you know yeah <laughs> we, we, enjoy we, it we, we never get caught up with things in a box and like we never even used the term session ipa with this beer oh yeah we we, we oh, yeah, assumed yeah. that fetish was implied but this beer yeah, is, right. uh, like, we we also like this is not as i mean it's a session ipa by design but it, we don't that term i don't know we never we never really liked that like mm. calling something a session beer is a bit that's true we're gonna come back. Are we gonna come back. May have got a froze. They'll come back. But I think what uh, Brent was saying is that a session IP calling things a session IPA is a bit of a turn off. And he's right. Yeah, it has a stigma around it after a while. And I think like usually when I've had a session IPA, it's like a try hard regular IPA, and it's lacking what we're talking about the body. So yeah, it's yeah. like probably like, and they said that you know further weight suggests that it's not exactly. I mean, I mean, if you got any sense about you. Featherweight means it's not exactly going to be a serious beer, is it? So they shouldn't have. That's what he, I guess what he was talking about. He always getting get the point he was getting to. They don't have to write session on it because it's not really worth it or necessary because it yeah. kind of suggests that already. Like I wonder because it's like it's not like an agreed upon. I mean, maybe in BJCP, but there's not like well, from anywhere from three yeah. to five percent is session, and from five to seven is I must be called. They'll come back. Yeah. This happened from time to time. Um, we've lost some okay. We've been okay. gone for an hour and a half. Only out once. There we go. Yeah, so that, that's a decent run. That was a good run. Got you back. Sweet back? guys. We're back. We're back. It's okay. Only only happened twice. That was a good run. That was a good run. All good. Yeah, that was a good run. <laughs> the best part is that everyone's used to uh, podcasts with technology situations yeah. that are all obviously out of all of our control. So uh, the patient with the, Zoom, with the Zoom generation, yeah, man, the audience is fantastic because everyone gets it, everyone knows everything. Yeah, you sure, listen to every sure. television network television show is done like this. So uh, you know, no doubt, no doubt. So like we beer talking about beer, everyone's interested in beer, but what like you guys have an interesting like dynamic as as brothers. Like yes. you guys work together. You guys work together on on your marketing and your music and, and all that kind of stuff? Like what, what's your, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's, yeah. So what, what do you guys get up to together? I know, I know that, uh, you know, Craig, you, you, you make music, you rap, Brad, do you make, you produce music or what? Do you yeah, I rap as well. I make beats. So I produce a lot of stuff for us and for other people. And I also audio engineer the music. So I'm mixing and mastering. And I've been recording us the whole time when we've been in person. But then, yeah, so nice. we just double team it. We're both artists, but I just do more of the the beats and the, the music, and then sees that's that's more of the marketing and uh, spearheading that kind of side of it. So yeah, cool man, it's good balance. Yeah, 
I mean, I know this is a, I know this is a beer podcast, and we'll no, no, talk no. about beer, but I, but I'm interested in that. I right, interview us. Let's do it. No, this this is the the point of this podcast was to start to talk about this because what interested me is, and when Adam, when you and I spoke, we had like a quick you know thirty forty minute uh, chat, and we had like an insane amount of synchronicities in yeah. all of our life, mm-hmm. which was kind of crazy. That you know, used to I didn't know Jack about four wins in outside of the products that I just loved. So I didn't know that it was yeah. a family business, that there were two brothers plus the third brother plus your dad. And now I know your sister's involved in the business as well. Um, you know, so and like, you know, Brad and I moved here. We gave up everything. We moved in 2010 um, for good. And we've been here for 10 years now. Um, you know, we've been working together since 2005, maybe 2006 on the music stuff. And it was just fortunate. I'm sure it's just the same as you guys that, you know, your sibling is your friend and that you can, can work on some stuff together. Cause I find a lot of people say, like, oh, man, I wish I could do that with my brother or my sister or whatever. I'm like, well, it's yeah. certainly grateful for it because, you know, as much as because yeah, you're sibling, you want to strangle each other, but we also can say some real shit to each other that you can't maybe to a business partner. To a regular business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you maybe get frustrated, but, it's like it, it passes quicker than with maybe with somebody else because you're just used to it because it's like what happens when yeah. you, you grow up together and you just be like, and you get past it and it's okay. That's, you know? that's the thing. I think, I think when you get mad at your sibling or, or whatever, it's like, it's weightless. It's yeah. gone instantly. <laughs> you give them shit instantly because you, yeah. you don't care about their reaction because you know the love's there forever. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not happy with And it's probably not the first time either. Like you five all the time. It's like I'm seasoned at this. Let's go. Yeah. So I mean I mean that's not with every sibling in every family. So yeah, we're 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 both we're we're both lucky on that. Yeah. For sure. Like that's not common. For sure. Yeah, genuinely. Like I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it's really cool that like you know, that we're able to work together the same as you guys. I think it's a something, there's something about it. But I think people like often admire it and appreciate it as well. When family end up doing some cool stuff together. And it's lucky that we both happen to have a passion for music and that, you know, we both improved over time and got better and better at it. And, you know, Brad's, we used to pay someone to mix a master and Brad, the guy didn't do a good job. And then he was just like, nah, nah, I'm going to take care of this now. And he learned it. And so 15 plus years later, yeah. You know, the quality speaks for itself because he's self-taught and figured it out over time. And I did the business stuff because I'm a bit more left-brained. I didn't have an interest in the production or the other stuff. And then when I did the beer stuff, I got into beer, like I was telling you guys, with the 365. And Brad happened to live – we lived in the same house in Toronto. I lived in the basement and my friend Scott and Brad lived um, in the first floor. So me and Scott were drinking and we'd show Brad that stuff. And at first he was like, oh, I'm not into it. But then over time – he kept trying it and then he got into it and then he started getting his friends into it and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then we have our social media agency Brad got into photography, which he'd always been in photography, but then he got a camera. We all got cameras around the same time. He got good at it. So then we were able to hire him to work with our clients. So it's been cool to be able to work together on, um, you know, multiple projects, basically whatever. Yeah. Basically everything. And, and just help each other grow and you know, expand. It's cool. So, so Brad, you live in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, I live like literally like 50 meters from Godspeed. So okay. that's why I went there a couple of hours ago to grab a quick couple 
Very convenient. Yeah, man. That's that's one of my favorite spots out there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a good area. It's, it's nice. It's, it's good fun. Lucky to be around so much, uh, so many fire breweries. It's like, you know, Rorschach, Godspeed, Left Field, blah, blah, blah. So very lucky area of, of, uh, of Toronto. Yeah. Cool. yeah and when good. you guys work on music, are you passing, are you sending stuff back and forth online, obviously? Because you're in, you're in, you're in Montreal, right, Craig? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we both have studios. Like we bought, we have the same studios that we bought in like 2005. So we have speakers, monitors, microphone, the whole setup. And we basically have a, we got different stuff, but we have the same um, controller, the Apollo. I know because you're, a pro oh, Brad, you know, Adam's a producer as well. Oh, gangster. Yeah. So that's another thing we found. Moment. Um, so we have that here. So tip, like when I did most stuff, I'll just record here, but this is an apartment, like a one bedroom apartment. It's not completely set up. Like in Australia, it's funny. Everything has carpet. So everything's automatically mm. dampened a little better. Whereas here, yeah. everything yeah. has hardwood floors. So like I've got the microphone, I've got a lot of crap in this, well, stuff in this room to, to sort of um, soak up the sounds. And Brad gave me some, what's the stuff you gave me called? The foam shit? I just some, yeah. Foam, yeah, foam sound. shit, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> to foam dampen the sound. Yeah. Foam shit, yeah. The foam shit, the foam shit. He gives me the foam shit. So we're able to record at home. I have the reflection filter. So I'm able to do that. And I, we have the same logic. So, you know, I don't need the plugins because I don't even know how to work them. I just record. I know how to record. Every time it doesn't work, I'm calling like, dude, it's not working. What the fuck? And he was talking me through it. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm like 24 hour technical support and I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. Yeah. He, he calms me down and I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Thanks, man. Cool. So I was just frustrated. Now I've got to chill out and I'll record. So it's like, it's been pretty easy. Yeah. Nice. That's a great relationship. That's cool. And that's like the blessing of modern technology too. That's pretty cool. For sure. Yeah. When, when, yeah like, being remote, like, it makes it work. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where are you guys from in Australia? Melbourne. Yeah, from Melbourne. Uh-oh. I haven't been to in Australia. You haven't been to Melbourne? No, I, I, I spent uh, about a year in Australia. Okay. I, I, oh, sick. This was like, yeah, this was like uh, when I was really young, like 21 or something like that, 22. And I guess, um, when was that? Like two, 2002? 2002-ish in that range. Okay. Um, and uh, we, we flew to Sydney and we bought a car. And then our plan was to drive around the, the perimeter of the whole country and make our way back to Sydney. Wow. And we, and we, we pretty much did that. We went all, all the way up the coast, up, you know, Brisbane and the Gold Coast and Surfer's Paradise and all that, up to Cairns and then up to, over to Darwin and then over to Broome, and then we spent like three months in Broome. We just loved it there. It was like so chill. The beaches. We just we camped outside like for three months, and then we went down uh, the west coast. I forget. I forget the place in the kind of the middle of the uh, west coast out that um, way. Not Perth. Um, Alice Springs. Well, we went. We got to got to Perth, but above Perth. Anyway, mm, okay. uh, one of my favorite places over in that in Western Australia was Karajini National Park. Okay. Do we, do you got probably, it's a big country. Maybe you haven't, we been haven't there, been out there now. That, that, that size now. Yeah. That place was unbelievable. It was really cool. And then we got to Perth, but then we were on this stretch of highway and I was driving like in Australia. Sometimes when you're doing those big drives from city to city in some of those areas, it's like, eight hours straight, like no turn, you know, like it's like kind of, kind of like Canada, 
but like no, no turning, like and super hot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't realize that my, the temperature of the vehicle, or I guess, I don't know, I'm not a mechanic guy. So the, the temperature was way up and I ended up like blowing the gasket or whatever. And like having to go off on the side of the road in the, in the middle of classic. this desert, it felt like classic, yeah, total <laughs> classic. That's and great. Uh, off on the side of the road, like, had my thumb out, sort of hitchhiking. And somebody oh, no. actually with the next person that came by was like an hour later. Like I was like the next car and uh, oh. he tied a rope. We tied a rope and he pulled me into Perth <laughs> and uh, pulled me into Perth. Like, or no, maybe it wasn't Perth. It was before Perth anyway. And uh, so totally trashed the car. Right. And then, so we couldn't make it, we couldn't hit uh, Adelaide or Melbourne because we had to fly from Perth back to Sydney. Wow. But that was, it was quite the journey. Like it was, that's it was crazy. Incredible. You've seen more yeah. of the country than we have, man. Like it's one of those things where yeah, you, for sure. that's amazing. I feel like whenever I speak to someone who's been to Australia, they've done something cool like that. And like, where have I been? I know we've been to Sydney. I've been to Adelaide, Brisbane, and that's kind of about it. really like a few other, well, that's the same. Done like that's the mainly same. East coast. Shit. Yeah. Same as me for Canada. I haven't, I haven't explored the East coast at all. Like I've been to, I've been to Ontario several times, but nothing, you know, further East and not much in between either. So a lot of people that come here and travel see more of the country than, than I've seen. Oh yeah. I mean, that's when, when I first, I lived here in 2004. So the reason why we moved here, I did a, um, at the time, I think when I just finished university, my friend was like, yo, I'm going to go live in California. I've always wanted to be in the States because of hip hop. And he was like, I'm going to go live in Cali for like six months. Are you guys frozen? Are you there? No, okay. no. Just double check. <laughs> um, we just look frozen. <laughs> and I was like, because there was some sort of special visa and he wanted to go right after I finished uni. And at the time I had a girlfriend and I was like, ah, oh, and I had other stuff going on. I was like, I can't really leave, but he kind of planted the seed. So I looked into it. And then I knew I, I figured out we could get this visa to live in Canada. So I got the one year visa. So I worked all 2003. I did music. I basically was a journalist, a hip hop. I was like one of three hip hop journalists in Australia during the day, like getting paid to do that. Then I'd work in a call center from 5 to 9 p.m. I come home, eat dinner. Then I go to the studio with my boy from like 10 to like 5 a.m. I did that every single day for like a year. Um, birthdays, wow. everything. It didn't matter. Brad came a bunch of the time. So we would just work we would yeah, way too much speed and fucking around. But, um, and then in 2004, when I moved to Toronto, it just blew my mind. I was super, I was doing music, but I wasn't like mad confident. And I found that like moving overseas to a city I'd never been to. And I got within like a month, I remember we stayed with my girlfriend at the time's relative and, um, who lived in Scarborough, just outside of Toronto, like the suburbs. And, um, Represent represent all day within a, a month i remember having I, remember I had two jobs i worked at the beer store funnily enough and um jack astor's like a restaurant chain i had a phone nice. full of new friends phone numbers from new friends and a wardrobe of new clothes and i remember just being like yo I, like i could do this and it was just like a really big moment to just realize like moving across the world with nobody i didn't know anyone didn't do jack and i could figure out a life it just made me feel so much more confident so after that lived there for seven months i did like a um this was really dumb but we took we we're super poor right so we did a, a greyhound 48 hours non-stop to edmonton because i wanted to see the world's biggest shopping oh, mall. and when i say 48 hours non-stop i mean like <laughs> they stop every two hours and there's no curtains and then they'd be like Marie, Marie, and you'd be and you'd wake up so like 
no shower, no, no nothing. It was a nightmare. And then get to Edmonton. Then I took the bus again to go to Vancouver. And I think I was in Vancouver for like six days and then did 10 days around the Rockies, which just blew my mind. And ever since that trip, I used to go on my jogs in Melbourne and visualize running around False Creek in Vancouver. It was just one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Like that area, you know, you can get the water taxi across to Granville Island. And Granville Island was the first brew pub I ever went to. So I've always got like, I know they're, you know, sold, but I've always got super... um, fun memories of that place just because I didn't understand. They had like a honey lager. I'm like, honey lager? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> you know, no. on my mind. So anyway, yeah, I did that. And we went around the States for the, uh, like the outside, basically what you did, but the outside of the States with a couple flights here and there, but mostly the bus all the way, not a good idea. And then Europe right. and stuff. So I did that for a year. And then when I came back, I was just like, I, I, I used to dream about being in Canada. Every, like usually once a month, like really vivid, dreams of being here so then when i found out we went and did a a radio tour that was 2004 and then we did a radio tour for i had a mixtape and notion had a mixtape that we released and we did five weeks around the states and and toronto and we just did radio and like we recorded with people and stuff and then when we went to toronto when i was flying over I i had this huge overwhelming feeling like i need to live here and at the time when i did the visa you could do a once in a lifetime and that was it and then I checked when I got to Toronto and they changed the visa so that you could do it in like unlimited rolling for two years until you're 31. So then I was like, well, that's a sign. And we went back and then less than two years later, we moved over kind of for good. Uh, I moved to, we moved to Toronto first. That's why Brad's there. And I met my girlfriend, Tiffany Day, who's our producer for um, BOS. She's a reason this exists as well. And, we run the agency together and she's a part of everything with basically the three of us doing all the stuff together. And I couldn't stay, sorry for all this long ass winded shit, but just thought I'd give you guys some context. Um, I couldn't, because I was too old, I wasn't able to do the visa that was revolving. So I was like, we, we did one of those weekends in Montreal where like everything was perfect. Like every corner you turned, there was a street festival and the sun was shining and people were always offering to take your photo somewhere. Like it was just perfect. So she was like, yo, do you want to move to Montreal and learn French? Because that'll keep me in. Because I had no real way. I saw a lawyer and everything and there was no real way to keep me in Canada and there was no chance I was going home. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so we moved here. I basically just stayed. And it kind of worked out. It obviously wasn't optimal to move all the way to the other side of the world and then, well, all right, Brad, will you be there? I'd be here. But it kind of worked out good because then we kind of divide and conquer. Like we had both provinces. And when we were touring, we were doing a bunch of touring in 2013, 14, 15. It helped a lot because we did a lot of the bigger opportunities here in Montreal just because I had the connects out here. Smaller pond type of thing. So it was easier to kind of grow. And it's helped as well with yeah. the beer thing. So now we've got the beer stuff in both provinces and on you know, the proximity here to Vermont. So we go to Vermont a lot of stuff like that. So that's a long ass story. That's cool though, man. That's a cool that's story to hear, man. Yeah. I'm cool. glad you end up, I'm glad you guys ended up in Canada. That's, that's great. Cheers yeah. to that. Yeah, man. Cheers to yeah, that. Yeah. Do, do you think we uh, ended up, yeah, cheers to that. You think we end up in BC or all the rest of the Aussies? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask. I, mean, you guys- I, love, I love my uh, surfing and mountain biking and stuff, but you know, we ended up on the east side, so I'll have to come out and yeah. go for a downhill with you, blokes. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I was gonna ask if you guys yeah. are around Australians because you've used words that Canadians typically don't use, like keen. 
And I imagine that you might have Australian employees slash because like Vancouver and London are little Australia. I like yeah. that word. And I like that word. And, uh, I like that word, and I've heard use. You've used that word numerous times in our conversations, and I think okay. I picked up on that. <laughs> okay, I love nice. it. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I mean, obviously, you spent time there, but I wasn't sure if there was like. A, I feel like this is like proximity to Aussies out there a little more. Even when I went oh, there, yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe how many Australians. It kind of annoyed me, to be honest. I was like, man, I didn't move to the other <laughs> side of the world to be around you guys. Like, fuck that. I'm like, oh man, they're, yeah. they're in, if you're Whistler, right? Like Whistler oh, is yeah. it's a, a million Aussies in Whistler. You know what I, I read? Feel like when I, yeah, go ahead. Go on. Oh, th there was an article I read that nurses book Australia Day off six months in advance because Australians are so psycho that they injure themselves so badly that nobody wants to work in the ER on Australia Day. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was on like Vice. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. I believe it. That's the problem. That's the thing. Like, yeah. So they, they, they just yeah. go super hard on the ski hills, you mean? Yeah. And like, they, they like, I love our people, but like, they're just, they're just crazy. <laughs> like, they get too crazy, man. Like, they, they all have a big thing about getting nude. <laughs> but they'll be like, yeah, fuck, man, we're getting nude. And they'll just like, not like fully nude, probably, but I imagine they'll be like, excited to be in the snow because we don't just get your gear that. off and jump in yeah and just go and do something dumb like oh, i'm gonna jump off this roof uh, i don't know they, they just seem a little <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, it's like man. frat boys <laughs> all the time yeah all they're the time. yeah yeah no I've, I've met a lot of great like aussies and but there was one dude that was a one of my friends a girlfriend of of mine who was dating this this dude for a long time um he was, he was amazing. He was like super like entertaining and just like this super fun guy to be around. And at parties, he would do the craziest shit. But when we were when back at our like house that we grew up at as uh, you know, when we were like teenagers or whatever, um, there came a point in time when we kind of lived there as young adults with our dad. And uh, there was, he came over and we had a pool in the back, in the backyard. And it was, you know, those like, those like bubbly, like pool top, like covers, you know, like the little mm -hmm. like plastic. Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 Pool top. They, they roll back. yeah. He was like, I bet I could run across that thing. Like oh, the, no. the length of the pool, right? Like cl classic what you're talking about. And I, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way, like when you're growing up or when you grow up around pools, you, you know, to not step in those things or jump in those things. Cause they'll just suck you right in and okay. like, you'll go right. You know, like suffocate, you go right down. And I was like, there's no way you can do that. There's no way you can tread across that thing. Like, it's too thin. You're going to fall in the water. He fucking did it, man. He like, he ran, like he, he ran so fast and it was so light on his feet that he just literally skipped across the thing. Like barely the, the whole length of the pool, I think 30 foot pool, like something like that. It was, it was incredible. I never, and he would, the same guy would do like, backflips off our roof into the pool and stuff. <laughs> stuff like that. So that's why the is uh, try to bail out. Like those, yeah, I never really aligned with them. I find those dudes entertaining, but I'm like, uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, Sounds like an ideal candidate for Jackass or something like that, one of those shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's like a, a ton of like really like well-mannered like you know, distinguished individuals as well. Like where, where's the, where's the, like, you know, how come there's such a, where's that, what's that all about? I don't, I don't know. You tell it's, me. it's a weird culture. Like I find there's like 
it's almost maybe we're different and weird or something, but I find that there's that, that culture of people. And I find those type of dudes that you're referring to, they are the funniest people you'll ever meet. Like the way they yeah, talk, yeah. I'm looking well, I don't know about you, bro, but like, I look at them in awe. Like, this is amazing. Keep talking. Like you are ridiculous. Yeah, like That's how you live every day. Like you're yeah. like, that's how you are. We make fun of that. Like, oh yeah. No, nah, fuck this guy. No, nah, yeah. No, nah, like, oh, you know, all that stuff. But these guys like talk like that for real. <laughs> and, and they, they use words and slang to describe things that are like surfer. Sort of surfer, you know, like Bogan, uh, like the the footy dudes. It's like jock surfer, you know? Yeah. They're very... But I I loved it there, though, man. I had a really great time. Beautiful country, man. Wow. Yeah, it's super cool. It makes you appreciate it sort of being away. Um. And we'd like to get back, obviously. It's, uh, we were supposed to go. Well, I don't know about if you were going to come with us, Brad. We were supposed to go about now last year, just before everything happened. But then they had, yeah. they had the fires last year about this time, which is the only reason oh, we yeah. hated because it seemed like a crappy time to go back when there's like, like even in Melbourne, people were sending us pictures and they were like, the skies were, you know, covered in smoke, yeah, orange, like that. Even though it was like three, four hours away, it was just really bad. We're like, oh, it seems like a pretty shitty time to go. So we were like, oh, like we'll some wait. planes weren't landing stuff through the smoke. Exactly, and you know, things were being cancelled or whatever, and the air quality wasn't great. Mm. And then we we're like, oh, it doesn't seem optimal. Mum kept talking about this coronavirus thing. I was, I was like, oh, whatever. I don't know about that. Like, that's not happening. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no. And here we fucking um. And here we are. And uh, you know, if we wanted to go, we probably could. Um, but there's, they, they have like what Canada did. So there was sort of Canada was copying Australia, but in like a half-ass way where if you, if you go, you have to pay for a two-week stay in a government rent oh, yeah. hotel. Supervised hotels. But it's like two Gs for the three weeks where Canada's charging like damn near two Gs for the three nights that they're forcing you to do here. Whoa. That's what's happening in Australia right now. If you're traveling there, you still got a quarantine. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then they did. They have nominated hotels. Yeah, specific hotels. Um, I think there was some, you know, it wasn't a perfectly run situation like the one tier where people weren't being, I saw a news report or something where people weren't being fed, like they weren't answering the phone to deli- to do room service because you're not supposed to leave the room. So then people were yeah. going to the lobby when all of them were supposed to be quarantining. So it kind of defeated the entire purpose of these hotels. Mm-hmm. This is like the Sheraton at the Toronto airport and stuff. Um, so Australia had the, the Melbourne had the quarant- uh, quarantine, the curfew they had the curfew first so 8 p.m to 5 8 we have a curfew here right now so it's like you can't leave the house after 8 p.m unless you i think only if you're walking your dog or you're an essential worker that's basically it um there you couldn't they had the 8 p.m thing i i think it was the same thing but you couldn't even say during the day you wanted to go out like right now i can go wherever during the day but uh there they had to have a note to say if like mum was going to the specialist or something like to a doctor or whatever, she would have to have a note from the doctor to say that's, you know, more than five Ks from her house that she had the thing, but they squashed it and they were having, they had the Australian open. They had 20,000 people in an arena and we're sitting here. I mean, you guys at least have pubs open Montreal. We haven't had pubs open since September, October, maybe restaurants and bars. So, um, everything is closed. People just won't, won't act right. So they did it right, but Australia was kind of copying New Zealand. So New Zealand did it right to begin with. And here we're still, yeah. it's not consistent across the country and we're still doing it kind of half-assed. Yeah. So it's a bit of a shame. But at least, 
you guys, um, how was it for you guys, the whole pandemic sitch? Well, we definitely got it easier than, than you guys for yeah. sure, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's been all, it's been all right. I mean, how fuck sucks, obviously, but yeah. Considering how you guys, you got a you got a literal curfew, which is insane. And uh, we, I mean, we don't have any restrictions other than you can't go hang out with friends in public. Mm. You got to wear a mask. What about yeah, going to people's really, places? Could someone can't come have? People, no, you can't no. have people at your house or anything like that. Okay. You're supposed. It's yeah. I think it's like. Your immediate family and that's it basically okay. yeah um so those restrictions those restrictions are in place but people go meet friends at restaurants like they just do like they well it's mm. the only way to keep this like our our industry alive and like i th i i mean this is an opinion but i think that's kind of the model like they they say you don't do this but they're not like enforcing it because mm -hmm. people are going out meeting friends and having beers and stuff like that. And if I don't know, like, I, I think the, the big, big problem right now, mental health, it's been a year of this. And like, you guys are under curfew right now. Like, how, how are you guys doing? Like, are you going crazy? Are you fucking pissed you off. What's, <laughs> what's interesting though, man, um, your sentiment is accurate. But the thing about, I'm probably not the person to ask because Tiff and I have been running a social media agency from home since July, 2015 full time. And beside the only thing we did was travel for beer. So typically we'd work with tourism offices and we'd go different places and we'd usually go to Toronto kind of every month, every other month or, or something. But aside, like I haven't felt that much of a restriction. And because I'm fortunate enough to do this podcast, I have fantastic conversations, you know, once or twice a week with this one. Brad and I have another podcast about hip hop we do every Monday night. Um, so I feel super stimulated. And also we have these clients, we have client calls. So I'm, I don't feel so crazy and I get, you know, I have this much, you know, I got all the beer I need at home. I don't feel the need to go out anywhere. We now order groceries in. So we don't really have to go to the grocery store much. I don't feel that's not bad, man. But do you know what? I might not realize that I'm going crazy. It could be that. It could be like I need a, like we. This is sort of dumb, but it's like in Quebec. Okay, in Ontario, you guys are familiar with the beer store and the way people return empties there with the cans, bottles, and everything, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you have that in BC? Yeah, but it's not so much to the liquor stores anymore. It's like return at depots. Gotcha. But yeah, we used to used to be a lot more at the liquor stores. Okay, so you get the, you get the general point. So yeah. in Quebec, you can only bring cans back to the place that you purchased them. As you can imagine, the vast majority of things I get might not be from anywhere around here, so I, I don't have anywhere to take them. So we don't own a car because we're literally like in like the hipster area here. We don't really need it. So we rent a car usually once every six weeks or so and we drive to just over the border in ontario just to take the empties back because we have such an absurd amount um <laughs> but it's not about getting the 50 bucks for the empties that i obviously couldn't care about but it's like it's like all right we have a car some freedom and I, I kind of enjoy that day and just driving and going on the highway and going to this place and oh let's check out the lcbo see what they got yo like tiff likes the ontario wine <laughs> a bunch of wine and, you know, and just do, I'm like, oh, let's go to like an outlet store. Do we need like some winter boots or something? Like, let's go to the Nike store or the Adidas store or some shit. Like, that's been an experience. So you need to be that mall. 
Yeah, I feel like that hits the spot. And over Christmas, <laughs> we came to Toronto. We didn't do jack shit in Toronto, to be honest. We basically just stayed home because um, everything was closed. So there's no point even going anywhere because there's nowhere to go. Even in Toronto, everything was closed. So it's, yeah, I don't feel as trapped as, as a lot of other people who maybe require that more uh, in-person social thing. I feel like I'm just, I don't even realize it, but just the things that I do, I'm yeah. talking to other I mean, people. Your business has been able to just continually can do what you do and, and you're fortunate that way and not, not Very. a whole lot has been interrupted, but no. I mean, imagine like Toronto is such a dense city for, for, for nothing to be open. Like imagine how many, uh, there's so many, how many lives does that impact? Like it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's what, what, a, what a time, you know, I'm really just, we're all obviously we're just all praying that this summer is going to bring some light to this mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, I think, uh, Hopefully we're getting we're getting somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully I'm um, I, I'm glad that you guys because I'm you know Daniel has been commenting, been keeping me up to date on how you guys are doing, and I I usually check the stat, follow a Twitter account that tells me all the different provinces and how they're all doing and stuff. I just keep an eye on it. You guys have always been doing pretty well. You had a bit of a bad period there, but typically, yeah. in comparison, you've been doing well. And I don't know if it speaks to like the sensibleness if that's a word of the population out there or whatever i feel like the the spread scene it's hard to know because no one even knows like if i touch a cereal box at the grocery store am i going to get it like i don't know what's the you know they still haven't figured that out but it seems like the majority of the spread aside from the old folks homes and stuff is from the in-home gatherings of people which is probably why they're restricting it i think here people are wiling out so much and aren't being controlled that that's why they put the curfew in. And as much as the last thing any of us wants is the government having that much control because it worked in Australia. And I saw what my friends and family went through and they all seem happy with the results. And they're at a, like I said, they're at a sports Mm -hmm. game when, you know, we, we are, we can't even go more than three people inside a retail store still, you know, there's got to be something to be said there. So I'm not sure if it's just people here just don't give a shit and they just are so like, you know, that, that instant gratification of going to a friend's house and you know what it's like, man, if we were all in a room together, we'd be talking and spitting when we talk and they'd be like, ah, and you'd be hugging or some shit after we get drunk. And cause that's what happens when you drink. And then that's the, probably the path that makes this continue to proliferate and spread more. So I don't, I don't know, man. It's like, there's just not enough information, and that's probably why all of us have feel this like frustration about it all because yeah. nothing's certain. We're like, I don't know. Does this help? What if we stop this? If we close schools, what about the gyms? What about the restaurants? Like, you know, who who yeah. fucking knows? No one seems to know. And then the incompetence of the governments and blah blah blah. Like, fuck. It's just it's just new, and, and we've never been through it before. So yeah, yeah. That's really what it is, man. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you guys are able to. Um, to, to survive though, I mean, I guess you've already had the the, um, the packaging. You've already had stuff in packaging for forever. A lot of breweries had to pivot on the spot and be like, yeah. Fuck, now we need to get a canner. We need to get the mobile canning in. The mobile canning can't come on very often, blah, blah, blah. And I had to figure out this whole yeah. thing. So I imagine that uh, what I've heard a lot of the time is that the revenues are similar while the margins are less because obviously they're yeah. – margins you're selling to a particularly in bc your model you gotta you, you can sell out of your retail store obviously 
um, but you've got the depth, the um, here I was gonna say depth and the depths. What do you call them? It's like the the beer stores there, right? So, Washington State. Yeah, yeah. And then, can you? I've always wanted to know for sure. What's the rule in BC for shipping beer? Like, can uh, Daniel go to your website, order a case of beer, and get that shipped to his house from you? Yeah, can. they can within yeah within BC. Yeah. I think that is amazing. We don't Toronto, like Ontario, has that, but we don't have that here. So, like, okay. I feel like that's a big letdown for breweries out here. So it's fantastic. You guys also down was telling me about the, um, uh, like, even with Uber Eats, so restaurants could have a bunch of your beer and they could just sell beer, wine, spirits, whatever, with with an order. Yeah, they've opened that up to the hospitality sector, meaning that they can sell beer to go and anything that they stock in the restaurant they can sell to consumers to take away or they can deliver it um yeah they've really been quite lenient with that and they've also kind of they've also given hospitality like bars and restaurants a break on uh the pricing so there used to be a split there used to be wholesale pricing and hospitality pricing and wholesale would get a bit of a better price than bars and restaurants would but now everybody just gets the wholesale price so the the local government is trying to help the bars and restaurants out that way. And I think it's helping a little bit. Um, you know, good. we obviously have seen our fair share of establishments closed down and not, not able to make it through it, but mm. some of them are doing okay. And some of them are, they're hanging in there. And so we're very, we're fortunate that way, like compared to the majority of the country, we're in pretty good shape. Um, but it's still been rough to go through like any, like yeah. any place. So. Yeah, I can imagine it's, uh, it's not optimal, but I feel like there must be some sort of element of like the cream rises to the top with breweries, like the ones that maybe are underperforming, you know, yeah. won't, won't stick around. Yeah, yeah it's, it's inter- interesting. I, like, There's so many breweries have opened up in BC um, that, you know, it would seem like you're saying cream would rise to the top where there would some just wouldn't make it, but I haven't heard of too many that haven't made it. No, I was just thinking that I don't, I don't know of any that have closed in the last year. I think the majority of them are, the majority of them are really small. And then, so they don't really do packaged product and they're selling, they, they sell packaged product, but only through their, their establishment or through their front door and the local communities really get behind them and they support them. And I think that has something to do with it. So they're, they're small, they're able to sell everything through their front door and they're able to kind of hang on. And yeah, it's been, it's been good. I, I'm glad to see that uh, nobody really that I can think of hasn't made it through the pandemic, which is pretty astonishing in terms of breweries anyway. That's amazing. Yeah, that's actually really amazing. Yeah. I mean, I can't even yeah. think of too many here that sort of went down either, to be honest. So it's a, it's a kind of like a strangely serendipitous thing where the brewing industry of like I wasn't sure. I imagine you guys were like, "Oh fuck!" Like people have either lost their job. There's two kind of situations: they've either lost their jobs and they're on the the Serb thing, or they're maybe more fortunate and they're either still employed, or if they're in a good industry, they just happen to be well placed, like beer labels or beer canning or something. Like the the incomes going up. So I was like, "Oh, I wonder if maybe people are going to spend the same amount of money on beer. Um, if uh, if maybe." Um, the, the hard to get beer is going to be easier to get because there won't be as many people spending money on. And I've found that it's been like the opposite. Yeah. The hard to get beer is 10 times higher yeah. to get now. Like it sells out like that online type of thing. 
Like, I feel like, I guess what I'm saying is there's an appetite for beer, particularly early on, maybe problematically so. People didn't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. Fuck. It's pandemic. Yeah. Are we going to die? What's all this about? They're like, shit, let me drink that. I don't know what else to do. People are just crushing. Um, good for you guys. Probably not so good for them. And then over time, I think people have regulated their intake. But I feel like the, the sales seem typically have have done pretty well. I, I think some breweries have even told me their sales technically have increased in volume, but it just didn't always re- represent the same because of the margin thing with the packages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, man. That's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. You fall in that category. And we see a lot of breweries that have gone like crazy busy because they got like, like BCL listings and like, they're just like tripling their orders and they've grown so much in the last year, which, would be crazy to deal with, but yeah, we've we've been pretty much flatlined. I think we produced the exact same much beer, exact same amount of beer in twenty twenty that we did nineteen. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Could be way worse, man. At, at this point, we're happy with it because yeah. in early in last last March we were. I remember, remember we had like when the first you know we we saw the thing coming for a bit, but when the first kind of notification went out that we were gonna like have to shut down essentially, or at least our retail portion. We had a company wide meeting and it was very emotional because we had no idea what the hell was going on and what the future looked a few weeks or if not a few months where we didn't know, like we had no idea what to expect. We didn't know if we'd make it through it. We didn't know if liquor stores were going to be open and they got, you know, liquor stores got deemed kind of, or breweries, I guess, got deemed essential just for some reason. And we were very thankful. We're essential. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Agreed. Agreed. yeah, I think you know, we were, we were very, very anxious about what was going on early on. Mm. And we we're, we're just, we're just thankful that we are able to get through it. You know, like it's, hasn't been an easy year. That's for sure. Mm. But we're here. So it's all good. Feeling optimistic for, uh, the rest of this year or you're not too sure how that's going to pan out. I'm feeling super optimistic, but I'm trying to like reel my optimism back a little bit because I always feel optimistic and maybe I'll get caught, but I don't know. It looks, it looks like it's, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel over there, but in BC, it feels like things are softening and seeing like what's happening in the States and the rest of the world. It's looking like it's the beginning of the end, and that's a very exciting for us. Because, like, I don't know, we we had a great year in 2020. Like, surprisingly, like we made some huge moves in our efficiencies with our production team and our packaging team, and we learned a lot. And like, we're just like eager to like get the demand of draft beer again because that mm. for us is like mm. something that fell off. Like, we lost 90 percent of our draft beer sales, which was 40 percent of our total sales. Jeez. So. Uh, that's like a huge thing that we want back. And that's just like, I don't know. We we're super excited about making a lot of beer and making a lot of great quality beer, but like having the demand where we have to like bust our ass to keep up to it. And like mm. we set ourselves up with efficiencies over the last year that we want to like test ourselves. And and, and I think we're going to get the demand this year. Yeah. We've, we've used it. We've used the 2020 kind of, I don't know. It wasn't really a lull, but the, the, that what we went through in 2020, we've used as a period of time to get really organized and to reconsider all of our 
processes and our systems and, and everything that we do, we kind of re, re, reconsidered and reimagined everything we do. And um, yeah, like Brent said, we, we've created some, some new systems, some, some new efficiencies uh, within the brewery. On the administrative side, we've kind of revamped our whole system. And we've used this time to kind of really hone in on what's important and making sure that we're optimally running this business to the best sort of efficiency, the best that we can possibly do. And, and it's been, it's been good that way. Like it's, it's actually pretty inspiring and it kind of took us this pandemic to step back and look, look at our business from kind of a bird's eye view and, and analyze it in a different way and see it in a different light and, and realize that it's, it's, um, it's not like, uh, it's not like indestructible. Like there are, there are ways to, there are ways to better what we do and there are, there are ways to kind of get smarter and, and to, and to uh, just to do a better job at running our business. And so that the 2020 has been good for us that way. It's allowed us to step back and, and re look at our, our whole business. And so that that's been actually really good for us. That's good, man. And like, as, as you guys know, like our, our dad passed away in May, like yeah. out of the blue. Sorry, man. And, uh, he was, he was here with us every day. He was our figurehead. He was our GM. He was our president. And he like pretty much ran the financial side of our business like blind, blindly. Like Adam and I had no idea really how that side was working. And he allowed, us, allowed me to focus on allowed Adam to focus on the sales and marketing. And when he passed away, we were like, okay, let's figure out how to do all this shit. Like how do we fucking run this business? And we brought on our sister and we brought in some consultants and some accountants to help us out. And we're still working through it, but we're, we're trying to figure out how to take a business that was seven years established and how to start running it again. So it's been a huge challenge. And like Adam said, that gave us a, a bird's eye perspective of like how this place operates. And like, we were so fixed on our responsibilities and departments that we didn't really have a full grasp of the business because our dad was, so competent and like kind of like a business guru. We could just, you just got it done very well without issue that like, he wouldn't even like fill us in on issues. Mm -hmm. And that like, so when, when, when he passed, we were, we had to like kind of unpeel the onion and try to figure out how he was doing things and, uh, and seeing if that we could continue his systems moving forward or if we had to create new systems. And it's been, yeah, it's been pretty intense and definitely very challenging, but, uh, we're, we're better for it. We learned more than ever this year. That's for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, that's super resilient. You guys, yeah, man. And, and it was like such a terrible time. I mean, there was one thing that Adam and I connected over was that Brad and I, his father passed away suddenly from a heart issue in 2016 and we had to run. We're here. We hadn't seen him in years. Oh, and, you, know, you know, that was really rough. We didn't even know. We didn't have visas at the time. We didn't even know if we could get back. We had to take a 14 hour flight to Vancouver, not knowing if they were going to let us back in. So when, uh, when you told me that, I was like, fuck, man. Like, there's just so many synchronicities with the music, Adam being your producer yeah. as well. And I know, then I started the business and then had had an important, you know, dad, our dad was the same thing. He taught us, he, he would have been more involved in all the things that we were doing if he was around for sure. So I absolutely feel that. And it's got to be like, it's a testament to you guys that, that you guys were so strong to, you know, be able to push through in a year when, like, and at the time that he passed, it was still a lot more unknowns with the, the way oh, that the world is, you know, and, and then on top of that, I imagine that the, the funeral services would have been restricted to what 
you you would have normally been able to do i imagine yeah we we haven't we haven't done a service because you can you couldn't have more than 50 people now you can't have a funeral but like our dad had like a history of business and, and relationships in this community that we knew that more than more than 100 people would be there so we're like let's just wait until we can yeah we had a lot a lot of his friends reached out saying you know we want to be there and we just we couldn't have a service so mm. we still haven't and we we assumed at the time it would maybe be six months later or you know but here here we are like pushing a year like you know yeah yeah so it's uh yeah it's 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 crazy it will still have that service but how old was your guy's dad when he passed? 64. Yeah. I think Greg yeah, was 66. 65. Yeah, just about. Just, just about, yeah. I mean, that's the worst part. Like, I don't know how much. Like, the heart thing always kind of scares me. Like, dad, had, dad was a big smoker. Yeah. And he's, like, you know, pack a day. He quit when he was, like, 40. Um, he, uh, we, you know, we made him quit because we hated it when we were kids. And, uh, you know he put on weight afterwards always gave him shit for his belly and stuff but like you know he was like just a super smart guy it reminded me a lot of what you told me and what i actually i was trying to find some articles to see what's going on just to show brad to give him a bit more information and i found some stuff some really touching industry people were writing some wonderful things about greg and how important was what sort of a titan he was in the industry i'm like fuck that's just so beautiful and you know, mm. our dad was was you know he owned a toy shop for years and dominated that there. Then he left. I like I was eight years old and told him he got laid off from a job and he was like, "What what should I do?" I was like, "Get a toy shop." And he did it. Listen to my ass. What an, what an idiot. And um, you, know, they, you told him get a toy shop. You were eight years old and you told him get a toy shop. And he and he listened and he did it. Yeah, that's, legit. that's incredible. Yeah, and I always feel like Dad knew that we were meant to be entrepreneurs. I'm a terrible employee. Uh, I imagine, Brad, you are too, and I probably not as bad as me. <laughs> um, like, I just always I felt like he knew. He used to do small things like pull me aside and teach me. I got a filing cabinet right here, and he'd teach me how to file. Like, just small things. I feel like he kind of knew that, like, this is an inclination. He'd always, like, show me stuff. And every time I'd tell him about the business stuff at the time, uh, we were only in business a year or so, almost exactly, because unfortunately he passed on my girlfriend's birthday. Um, and I know, Adam, you told me the story about your wife's business partner um, passing the day the same day, which is insane, like unbelievable yeah. type of stuff. So just all these synchronicities. I just, I, you know, I wish that we were able to share it because we've had a lot of big wins with our business and the way that this beer yeah. thing that started as a stupid side project has grown to what it's become and, you know, where it could possibly go. And I feel like, oh, there's so many things. I just want to be like, yo, what, how did you deal with this tax? We got hit with a crazy tax bill a few years ago. And I was like, what the fuck? He might've like been able to warn me and stuff for stuff like that. You know, just, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little, not screwed, but I feel like I, life would have been better if he was around, but I liked it. I like your attitude that you guys are like, you've been able to bring your sister in, which is great. Cause now it's all four of you. Uh, you've been able to come up with, you know, systems like when dad passed the first thing when we arrived mom didn't know any of the, she didn't know any of the stuff like of, of finances whatsoever he was he always tried to show her she said he's like he always like come here come here let me show you and she was like no 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 no. so we had to crack his password on his mac and then crack his password to his password docs and my uncle was a pc guy and trying to do it all and me and tiff came through as apple people we're like no 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 and we figured it out but it was just, it's been a whole thing to get mom comfortable being, you know, we're not there. We're literally, it could, if you put a pin through the globe, 
Like that's where we are. Like it literally couldn't be further away from home. So it's been harder to support and to sort of help her through that. She's grown a lot. It's been normal coming up on five years. So it helps the first little while. It wasn't so easy. So it's, it's definitely, you guys are fortunate that you're there. You've got the other family. I'm sure, you know, you're there for your mom and all that type of stuff. So it makes it a little, little better and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's super cool that you've been able to do it. And it's, there's something even more beautiful that you've got the business and it's already running and already successful and it's already renowned and living, yeah. and you're just going to keep making it flourish because it's something that he started so that like, you'll never let it die. You'll never let anything happen to it because it's now has this extra layer of importance, you know, which yeah. is, that's exactly, that's, that's so um, accurate and so well said. That's, that's how we feel. I think, you know, I think Brent, Brent would agree, but like, we just feel so blessed to have, uh, built this business with our dad you know we yeah. couldn't have done it obviously without him um we would never we wouldn't have done it without him but just to have you know the blessing that 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 four wins is like we will be forever grateful to our dad for for uh, allowing us to to pursue this and and just to keep it to keep it alive and healthy is uh is is our only mission now so I love that man. It's such a beautiful thing. Should we should we do one final beer for uh, on that note? Cheers for yeah. sure. What what are you guys feeling? You guys dictate the way. I don't know. What are you in the mood for? What are you in the mood for, Brent? What are you saying? You're in, you're the brewmaster. You're the bus man. <laughs> I'm 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 thinking about this bad boy. Yeah. Oh, are we trying to bust the stout out right now? I don't know. You, you guys could have a change of heart if you want. We can go somewhere else. What do you guys feel? I'm not scared. What's the ABV on that? Uh, a lot. 11 and a half. 11 and a half? Could be 10. <laughs> Call it 10. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. Give yeah, me one sec. So this is, this is the first stout, first stout mm. we ever brewed. Okay. That's an imperial yeah, stout? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, modeled after Russian Imperial Stout, uh, aged in. It's actually a split batch, so half the half the beer was aged in neutral wine barrels, uh, wine barrels that were actually used for uh, a pilsner numerous times, and then uh, and then we added, then we filled it with the the stout, and then uh, about four months later, we brewed another batch of the stout and put it straight into. Uh, uh, Buffalo Trace barrels, uh, and then that got a three-month age, and then we blended the two early December and or early January and packaged it up pretty recently. And uh, I mean, we never we never brewed the style. We never really actually been that into the style because, like we talked about earlier, we're we're big on on beers that we can drink regularly and and kind of yeah have a couple after work. Uh, but this this is something new for us, and I mean, we're kind of blown away on how it turned out. Um, Kylo again doing this one, being super fired up about it. He also was not like I don't know. It's weird. We we've kind of stayed away from the huge ABV beers because we don't really drink them. And like a huge huge philosophy for us is like we're brewing beer that we were passionate about drinking, and and we decided yeah. to go on this one because. Mostly because we're interested. I got one here. Interested in it. And uh, just like the, the the whole pastry sale thing and, and like the 
the viscosity you get from these beers and and right. kind of learning about the shit. So we, we kind of went all out and tried to figure out how to make it, uh, but also like delicate without being too hot and giving it like really nice bourbon notes. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty floored on how it turned out. And like, I hope you guys enjoy it too. That's what's up. Yeah, I'll grab that in a sec. So is it actually quite, is it actually like a pastry stat or? No, it's not. But like just that, just like right. the trend of the, the pastry stout kind of that, the kind of excitement, like the highest rated beers in the world are usually stouts. And I'm yeah. like, okay, gotcha. well, let's, maybe, let's maybe dabble in this. I like that. I actually just realized I did not put this in the I didn't put it in the fridge. Oh, no. So what I was thinking, you guys crack that. Maybe just to do it, maybe should I try crack this as like a, a, a side thing? I'm uh, I'm kind of annoyed at myself. I don't know why I didn't put this. I put all the other, the other two bottles. I think I just forgot to grab this one. Um, so it's 9.5, which is great. Okay, and it's the, do you say Buffalo Trace barrels? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So and it's this- like uh, about fifty percent of the batch was in neutral wine barrels, and then the other was Buffalo Trace. Okay. Um, and this was actually like the first stat you ever did. Yeah. Jeez, and you went straight for the big boy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too. It, quick, it quickly rose to our. Not that we we don't really follow this too much, but quickly rose to our highest rated beer on untapped really so it just goes to show the, the, the excitement around these style this style like brent was talking about and i'm actually super impressed it's not the type of beer that i drink too often but i don't know it's it's well balanced it's you get that oh like marshmallow oh, coconut vanilla vanilla Woo. it's got a little bit of licorice on there like you get that, you get that bourbon that. Such a dope label too with the metallic. I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah. maybe not. So like an unintentional pastry stuff. It's, yeah, it's not. There's no adjuncts. This is. I mean, that's that's one thing we're pretty. We're we're kind of purists in the adjunct game. Like we've we've made beers with adjuncts in them. Don't get me wrong, but. We like to keep it pretty classic. No, I, I feel like that's on brand for you guys. Like, like well-made, exceptional, classic stuff. Yeah, that's kind of our thing. Yeah. But we'd like to be aggressive as well, but not, not too crazy. No, that's, I feel like that's always been your thing, though, is not too crazy. Brad, I'm just going to juxtapose because I realized I didn't put the bourbon barrel one in the, in the fridge. So oh, true. I'm just gonna switch. Cheeky, cheeky move. What do you think, Brad? How's so, yeah. that smell? That is intense. Straight away, it's a punch in the face of awesome. Wow, <laughs> punch in the face of awesome. That's a testimonial, oh right? There. That's an untapped review if I've ever heard one. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like it pours kind of kind of thick, not exactly motor oil, but very close. And I love how the head just kind of like bubbles up. Yeah. It's a good one. Oh my God. See, it's intense, but it's smooth. It doesn't have any like sharp and it's fresh out the fridge. It's super cold. So 
usually when things are super cold, they're like sharp and yuck. So this is so far so good. And this there, yeah, yeah a I'm sure warmer, the flavors will like uh, start to to come out. Fresh out of the fridge, it's amazing. To be honest, though, an interesting thing I've realized lately, like the more I have pastry stouts, the more I realize that I don't really like them. Like they're okay, yeah. but there's like something to be said about a straight up bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. Like it's the epitome of, of this stuff. It's it's perfect. Thank you, baby. Yeah. yeah. I doesn't need anything else. No, at all. I, I think like it's cool mm. and – and don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of pastry stouts, but I think it's cool to replicate the flavor with using that thing as your like adjunct. But drinkability mm-hmm. is so important in beer, and if you can't drink a bottle or let alone a glass, I don't want to drink it. Yeah, man, mm. the egg batter thing is just—it's uh, either like I find a lot of them that that do it aren't—they don't have the body to hold it. Like it needs to be literally like cake batter for it to be a thing. But then you could probably, for the amount that you guys have in your glass now, maybe that's like the max you could drink of it. Um, but a yeah. lot of them don't seem to to have it. I just find them all just it's a little bit too much. But I'm appreciating the straight. I had a, uh, a beer the other night from uh, like a double. I never had them before, like a double barrel aged um, Imperial Stout. Oh, yeah. A rye and bourbon. It was last night. Oh. Where I was a little bit messed up today. And um, – it was it was just glor- there's something just glorious about those beers that I feel like in a world where pastry stouts are the the thing I never really got huge into them I just really appreciate that I think it's dope that like that's the first thing that you guys did in the stout world mm-hmm. perfect um, yeah yeah it worked out for us so you're 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 enjoying the juxtapose wild IPA though yes so this How's is the, yes this is your fave Adam right that's my favorite beer yeah I just that's my I mean, it's maybe it's a little bit strong or a little bit high ABV to be my go-to all the time. So I go to the featherweight sometimes, but that one is my favorite beer. It's, uh, it's glorious. It's just kind of, it's unique, right? It's just got yeah. this balance between like bitter and like slightly kind of tart, that kind of wild yeast funk kind of moderately in there. It's good. I love that beer. It's, oh, so it's a West Coast with like lactobacillus or something? Sactois. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. If you guys are familiar with that? Yes. Train? Yes, sir. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's like, we don't really have a house train of yeast, but that would be our house trains. So Nectaris is Sactois, mm. Juxtapose is Sactois, uh, La Maison, Velo. All of that. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that yeast is crazy. Like we, I don't know how technical you want to get up, Get about it, but like, Go for it. we, we, uh, <laughs> like, we'll har- harvest our yeast strains like batch after batch after batch up to like eight generations, usually with our ale, and our lager is probably like six. <clears throat> but Sactois is generation one, and then we start again. We use that yeast one time, it mutates so, so quickly that we can't use it again. So we have to get a lab culture every time and, and propagate and use it again. So we're propping that yeast once a month. Wow. And we prop our other yeast three or four times a year. Right. So it's a whole other situation. Yeah. It's just so smooth. It's incredibly smooth, this beer. The 6.5 with with the the funky stuff, it's almost like you can like – 
it's not like in your face that it's like a I wouldn't call it sour by any means. Wild is definitely like that that's labeled as a good word for it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, that makes it more fun too. That one has been we've been fortunate enough to win a couple of World Beer Cup awards with mm-hmm. that one. Not surprised. Um, it's the thing is like yeah, I the beer is it's unique. Like it, I don't know, it doesn't fit in the West Coast category, it doesn't fit in the hazy category. Yeah. It's like somewhere in between. It's got it's got like uh it's got some like Belgian ester to it, but then it's coupled with like some nice uh, like hop profile to balance it in. But it also that yeast produces a little bit of acid to give it like not quite a sour profile, but like a little. It kind of thins out the mouthfeel a little bit. The acid coming in there, yeah. And like, yeah, it doesn't really fit in the category. Like, it, I don't know. I'm always I'm surprised it won silver at the World Beer Cup twice, and. Uh, Damn. I don't think we've won any other awards for it, like locally because it doesn't really fit in categories. What did it win for it's the? Not really an idea. Like I guess not. Yeah. Like what? What category won, was it in for the World Beer Cup? The so World Beer Cup had won in two different categories. The first one was American Bre- style Brett. American style Brett beer, and and it doesn't fit that category like now because at the time, Sactois when we entered it was considered a, a Brett strain. Mm, not anymore. Uh, now they like White Labs genetic genetically mapped it and pulled it outside of the Brett uh, spectrum and called it like a wild Saccharomyces strain, mm. which is a little bizarre. But anyways, it didn't quite fit the parameters to be called Britannomyces, but it mm. is not quite the same as regular Saccharomyces. So it's wild Saccharomyces. So the second time it won an award was in the Belgian IPA category. Which I guess it kind of fits. Mm. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I, I guess it was a Belgo it was, Bel- like, was American American Belgo IPA. Was or it American? IPA? No, it's just ale. American Belgo yeah. ale or something. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, like a, like a hybrid of an American or a Belgian style ale. I think. Yeah, I guess maybe which like that. I don't know. Isn't Strange really. Yeah, this isn't really what that is, though, at all. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, originally the yeast would have been a Belgian yeast. Oh, yeah. So, the, yeah, Sactual uh, comes from Belgium. It's yeast harvested. It's harvested from Dreyfontein in bottles. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. I don't know. I typically don't like the Belgian IPAs, and this doesn't give me any of those elements that I don't like about it. I just take no, it's, like, mm. it's not like a, a typical Belgian IPA. Yeah. I don't like a Belgian IPA either, mm. and uh, – I mean, we we brewed one for years, and we've like kind of axed it because the combination of uh, phenolic and and dry hop is to me like disgusting. Now I used to actually like it, but now I can't stand it. Um, but I mean, there's, there's just a subtle amount of phenolics coming from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that's why you said it's like. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 definitely you know, heavier on the ester profile than most. Belgian yeast. Okay, now you're saying it. I can, I can, I can get it. If you didn't and, say that, like, oh. yeah, no, the phenolic on it is like in the funk category a little bit, but mm. not in the like spice no. category. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm definitely, yeah, it definitely feels just like a West Coast IPA that's got like a little bit of Brett type of shit in it. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. And that was kind of the the goal the whole time when we started started brewing that beer, and then. 
White Labs tells us it's not Brett, and we're like, what the hell? We used to we used to call it a Brett IPA actually originally, ah. and then we changed when they changed the sort of the yeast designation. We changed it to a Wild IPA. Yeah, yeah. The label cool. used to say juxtapose Brett IPA now Wild IPA. I like which wild IPA. I, I don't know. Wild IPA is different. It sounds sicker. Yeah, I think we're the first ones to do that. Like call a never. beer a wild IPA. Yeah, never seen it for sure. It, maybe Not I don't it. know. Maybe we weren't, but it's now pretty normal out here. Like I see it on the shelf all the time. Love it. Interesting. So you started a category. <laughs> yeah, started maybe. a category. So you mentioned that. I think there's an interesting point. I'm asking all three of you guys. Something that I noticed over the years of the beer nerdery and as go along, when we were into it, I'm sure we all were into Belgian beers pretty heavily at one point, doubles, triples, fucking whatever, the whole sort of like spectrum, like looking for the West Veteran 12 or West Veteran, however you say it. Um, how do you guys feel about all the Belgian stuff now in 2021? Like, are you guys, because just because you made a comment about that you're not into Belgian IPAs, and I am not, but that, that coincides with my my distaste for triples and doubles and, and so on and so forth, quads or whatever. How do you guys feel about that stuff now? Man, Brad, you I, too. Yeah, Adam, go ahead. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still really love and appreciate them, I think. I don't drink them as often. Like 10 years ago, I used to go to the store looking for interesting Belgian beers and um, would you know, bring home those little like kind of stubby bottles or you buy them one at a time or whatever. And always looking for something new and interesting. And that, because that's where the variety was like yeah. 10 years ago, you know, and, and mm. I still like the, the complexity in those beers is so impressive sometimes. Um, I, so I still really, really appreciate them. I don't think I don't drink them as often. I, I, that makes me actually want to explore that a little bit more now that you said that. Um, my wife worked at a, restaurant in vancouver uh when we were first dating for five years called shambar mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys know of that restaurant or not but no, they they had like sort of the best uh, selection of belgian beers um back then and you know there was a few other restaurants that kind of did it as well but they're sort of a belgian they're the owners are belgian they the chefs you know uh from there and and uh so they, they imported a whole bunch of really great Belgian beer. So I explored a lot of that stuff while sitting at the bar, kind of waiting for her to finish her shift or, or whatever. And I, and I, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't drink it much anymore, but I still have the same, like, like appreciation for it. I think that's good. I, I, I do too. I got the same appreciation. I just think like, uh, probably the same reason why you're not that down with it anymore. Craig is like, it's not that fresh when it's here. Yeah, like I used to be blown away by these beers when I was younger, and now I taste them, and I'm like, they're still good, but I know it's not fresh. I can tell why it's like tasting that way. Mm. Um, but honestly, still the beer that blows my mind every single time I drink it, and it never disappoints, is Rodenbach Grand Cru. I was about to say, that's fire. Even, so good. Even more than that, the every time. Oh, the classic. I could drink that forever. Yeah, and. The thing I saw a talk with uh, the brewmaster there, and then uh, Sam Calgione. Yeah, I can't remember the dude's name. And then yeah, Sam Calgione. I had him on actually. Did you see that? I didn't. You see had him on. I had him on. I, I yeah, man. I got to sit with him for a couple of hours. It was crazy. I didn't know shit about oh, thing. And he blew my mind, and he was so cool. Yeah, really cool. Amazing. 
Yeah. So the one thing that like I found so amazing there, it was at a brewers conference talk. They're talking about sour beers and 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 they're talking about their new like Rodenbach like fruit fresh or something like that. Anyways, but he said they they've been marketing their beer the same way for sixty years, and it's the most refreshing beer in the world is their like marketing platform. And like, that's what I took mm. from this thing. And it's like, you drink it cold, you drink it warm. It's still refreshing. You take it to the beach, it gets warm. It's still going to be refreshing. And I was like, yeah, that's interesting. And then I like drank a bottle warm. And I'm like, it's fucking right. <laughs> this is refreshing. Wow. I think uh, you're like next time. Yeah. Next time you get a bottle, like just maybe have one, warm it up. I don't know. Don't warm it up. Right here. I'm looking at it now. I have one classic left. I saved it from the day we met Rudy. He, uh, oh, man. I got a bunch and I, like the classic changed my life. Like I didn't even like Flanders Red to be honest before that day. We just got invited to a media day because they, there was this company that brought out, um, it was classic Grand Cru and the vintage. It was like a 2017 vintage that they made just for Quebec. And they yeah. had this brunch where they paired the food like at a fancy French restaurant at like noon. I'm not a day drinker. So like there's like noon and shit. And um, they brought, his name was, I forgot his last name, but Rudy was the dude. He's the master brewer for that. So we're bringing him out to talk to press. We were some of the very few like beer press. Everyone else they brought out were like the Montreal Gazette and like stuff like that, like, you know, newspapers. So we sat, I sat right next to him for some reason at the table and he was like lost his mind at the pairing of the food with his beers and then later that evening I got to sit down and interview him and he seemed to really appreciate the questions because I guess I came at him in a different way than probably what he was used to for this like tour I'm sure he was exhausted of the same shit all the time but I didn't like it and now after that that was end of 2019 mm-hmm. since then I've been like about Flanders Red so that's the only Belgian style that I would like lose my shit over if I see a Flanders Red and it's local I'm, I'm here for it because of Rodenbach because it's just so exceptional. It really generally is. The yeah. rest of it, now the way hearing you guys just talk about it, I feel like I need to revisit, revisit. in a, yeah. in oh, a right. you know what I'm saying? In a situation where it was like where where it's like properly served and talked about or something, like romance it a bit for me or something, you know, like make yeah. it <laughs> make it exciting. Um I remember back in the day there was do you guys ever had West Parent twelve or West Letter and however you say it? Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. She I've had only it. had it a couple times, but yeah. Same. Um, I remember when that first came out, some of my, like I was doing the 365 and we worked, Tiff and I, when I met my girlfriend, I was working at the Apple store in Toronto and a dude who worked there was like, can you, I did the beer thing. He's like, yeah, you tried this beer and he showed me on, on Wikipedia. And I'm like, I don't know. So they got at this cafe, it's $40 for like a three wow. third middle size. And I'm like, Phew. like, all right, why not? So I split it with a friend that I had lost my mind in a way I don't know if I've even lost my mind since. And it was, it was right. just so incredible trying that beer. And then my friend Scott, who used to co-host it with me, bought, I don't know if it happened in BC, but they released these six packs that had, yeah, do you remember, remember that? that? Yeah. They were, wasn't the same. wasn't the same beer. It was just, I don't know what the difference was, if it wasn't aged as much. They were rushing it out to supply the market because they needed money or something. I think that's why they did it. Um, definitely didn't hit the same, but there was this period where just Belgian beers were just, I worked at a, a, a bar called beer market briefly for, I don't know, four or five, six months. 
as a bar back or whatever, and like learning about it, they were teaching me about it. And there, I was like, all right, sick. And they were showing me all the different stuff. And I read those 20, yeah, 2011, 2012. So I was like super into it, but I feel like it was, there was nothing else to even compete with it. There was nothing more interesting than Belgian beers, arguably, because it was English or Belgian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. American beers were well, Sierra Nevada. That, exactly. Yeah. That was it. And like, that's all we had as Canadian consumers was Belgian beer. Yeah. And I, I think Canada was like one of their biggest markets. Like Belgian exporters, like Canada was like probably number hmm. two or three. Wow. Yeah. Like we, we a lot of Belgian beer. Like mm. we go to BCL, the like liquor store in, in BC back then in like 2010 or like 2004 to 2015, like that 10 year yep. gap or whatever. There is a huge selection of Belgian beers and like Rotobot Grand Cru used to be $2. I remember buying <laughs> it for $2 a bottle. Like this size? That's wild. Yeah. The 330 bill. 330? Yeah. Yeah. I remember buying that and like triple Carmelite and uh, like a St. Bernardus. All those beers were like uh, under $3. Oh, well, I remember those. And uh, now they're like five bucks a piece. And like, but we don't get fucking beast uh, that much anymore. We get the classic, I guess, every now and then. But like the Grand Crew is just on another level. I always uh, felt like the, the, but the other beer. Oh, yeah. The, the other beer that I like. I mean, I got a lot of love for the Belgian beers, but the, the beer that, fuck, I, I don't know. I can't pick and choose, but uh, Rodenbach <laughs> is probably number one. But number two, which is sometimes slides into number one real quick, is uh, Orval. Yeah. Ooh, it's been a while since Which all tried to be available at our government store for like $3 a bottle, and now I can't find it at all. Really? And like, that beer... So that beer was on another level because it was like the first dry hop bread beer ever. They've been they were dry hopping that beer in like the sixties, I think, or the seventies, and I don't even I could be just talking shit, but I think that's how long they've been doing that. And it's just like the yeast strain, it's got bread, so like the complexities fresh and like years later, it's like the most dynamic beer. I've tried from like fresh to like years later and like nothing like it. People try to replicate it. We've tried. And I mean, we just can't, I mean, I mean, we're not going to try to copy their beer. We tried making something similar and just respect it. Yeah, man. Fuck. I haven't had that shit for ages. No, how do you feel about it? About Belgian beers? Belgians? Yeah. Good, man. Like, uh, you know, we started on Chimay and all the, St. Bernard joins at the LCBO we could find. So we've gone, I mean, that was, you know, the the base point. And then, like, they're okay. And then I just, you know, was developing my palate and stuff. So I had to kind of get around. And then, you know, uh, Delirium and all that kind of stuff, like, came into my life. And I've gone to multiple beer festivals at this point. And then, you know, trading with some friends and you'd send me shit. And so then, yeah. Uh, there's been a, a lull for a couple of years, but then I got a few packs of Belgian and Trappist styles in the mail and uh, for photos. And in the last like few months or the last month, um, I was like, I, maybe I should go back to all those. So it's it's good to have a break from them. Um, yeah. But yeah, started off fairly basic. And then the new ones, like the, the 
the the doubles and the triples and the quads, I don't know, they just seem, I guess my palate's advanced from when I first tried them, so I'm feeling better about getting them again. It's like a rediscovery and an extra level of appreciation now. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to have a bit of a break from a style. Like I remember, you know, see, we were obsessed with all the double dry hop fucking haze bombs you could get your hands on, and then we went through a, a resurgence of all the crispy boy lagers and dry hop pilsners and other stuff we can try to get our hands on. So, yeah, variety is a spice of life, and everything comes through at the right time, I guess. But like, I'm actually getting real touched off this stout. I can't <laughs> find it. I'm actually, like right now, I'm saying, oh jeez. <laughs> So put a, put a little bottle, little bottle stopper in that one, mate. It's fucking. This is my dessert. This is like all of my ice cream. <laughs> no ice cream. This is the whole thing. No ice cream for me, buddy. Just straight stout. But um, yeah, Belgians really like. Now that I'm my palate's palate's you know caught up and more advanced, I'm I'm ready to take on the bigger stuff. And in the last month, having those new ones was just like, oh okay, I'm ready to dive deeper. Because it's not a style that I often just go to or or come across, so it's it's mm. good to to rediscover again. So it sounds like all y'all are saying the same thing with that. Like it's when it comes back to it, you're like, oh wow, like th- this holds up over yeah, time. So yeah, it. yeah. So maybe that's really what it is, and I maybe I haven't haven't uh, given it the time that it deserves to. To do it aside from Rotenbach, which I've been sitting on that bottle for a couple of years, is because I don't mm. drink it. like I don't know if I can. I'm sure I can get it again. I just don't know where to find it. And it's, it's Did we have one at Christmas there. last Tuesday? We had. Can we share something? Correct. Not red one the year before. Year before. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Yeah. Anyway, that was a memorable oh. glass. <laughs> Ooh, the Flanders red. Yeah, that stuff. This one. Yes. This one here, did you? I don't know if you guys have tried this one yet. Not yet. We send it to you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, not it. yet, no. Um, Epricity is, uh, I mean, it's a uh, it's it's a sour um, ale aged in fruiters, blended with barrels, I, I imagine. And it's not a Flanders by any means, but it's in that vein. And uh, we're really, really proud of it. I mean, if we were to crack another, that would be the one, but I don't know if we're going to go there. Um, but that, uh, that, that one to me is one of the best sours we've, we've made. And it's, it's brand new. So yeah, like yeah, also, I mean, by all means, all means this was modeled after a Flanders red. Really um, nice. Okay. But, but we, I mean, we got so much respect for that style that we were like, there's no way we can call it a Flanders red ale. Yeah. Um, mm. so this is like, uh, I mean, this happens. This has happened to us a couple times where we, and that quadrennial that you pulled up earlier, we, we brew these beers, put them into fruiter barrels, and we're like, hey, they're just not really hitting the spot. But there's like great characteristics about it. So we give it time, and then we're like, hey, it's not going to get there. So we, we brew another batch to kind of fill the gap. And so that's what happened here. So we brewed uh, a Flanders Red. Um, in 2017, I think could have been could have been late 17, early 2018, um, and it just it wasn't getting sour. Same kind of problem with quadrennial. So we brewed another batch two years ago or a year and a half ago, and uh, kind of kind of met it in the middle, uh, and then we blended them together, and they tasted good, but they're still missing a couple things. So Kylo just 
So just to give you a heads up, Kylo's background is he's a chef, like an incredible chef, probably the best mm-hmm. chef I've food from. Like guys, the guy just he, he could be running a five star restaurant, uh, like creating food like anywhere in the world if if he wasn't here. Like I think he's got that potential as far as like his palate and design of beers. So he took he, his idea was like, okay, let's let's make this what we want it to be. He's like, let's get some Italian plums in there. And let's age it on some sugar maple. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, this beer tastes good. I, I'm cool. I'm cool with getting some plums in there. I think that would benefit it. But he's like, no, plums, some maple wood, and he's like, and maple sugar or maple syrup. And uh, I was like, all right, man, I trust you. So, so we we got plums wow. in there. Um, we put it. In, so we got we. So it was Asian oak fooders pulled it out into stainless. And we got um, maple spirals. So it's like a product that breweries can get and winemakers can get. It's like a, a spiral of wood. They're, they're four feet long. They have like the same surface contact of uh, like four of them combined have the same surface contact of a barrel. Um, so it gives you like a wood profile without aging it in a barrel. So we added that to the beer, like a, a lot of it. And it wasn't cheap. Uh, and it instantly like gave it like a maple syrup flavor, which I was blown away by. Like the wood didn't smell very unique, but yeah, it gave it a maple maple syrup flavor. And then from there, we uh, added like some some Quebec maple syrup to give it a little more like depth of sweetness because I find those uh, traditional um, Flanders Reds quite sweet paired with the acid. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, after all that, like kind of chef work, so to say, like this beer turned out fucking incredible. And, uh, it's the closest thing I've tasted outside of like a Belgian Flanders. That's a Belgian Flanders, but yeah, it took maple Mm. syrup. It took plums. It took maple wood to get there, Mm. but it's fucking cool. It's really cool. It's insane. All the names here. Name is the, it, the the word literally means the warmth, the warmth of a winter's the winter's sun the of a cold of day. Oh. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. Yeah, and reading that shit like cool. Decided to put that, this that inspired me for the photo for it. I'm gonna take like a warm shot when it's like freezing outside, but it's warm. And I figure that out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. We just, like normally, this is the type of beer that you'd put in a bottle with a with a cork in it, you know. But mm. we decided to put it in a can because we want to try to get this type of beer that we're so proud of um, in more people's hands. Mm. Like, we, right. and so we decided to kind of put it in a four pack, put it in a can, lower the price point a little bit, and make it more accessible so more people are able to, you know, pick it up, give it a try. Um, but, you know, the, those 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 seven fifty mil bottles they they re- they do great for us. But they don't, they're not for everybody. So we figured more people would You've gone for that way. similar kind of um, regal artwork and branding, like on the um, operas as well, because you've got, you know, the yeah. circle sort of insignia. Kind of, it, yeah. it screams that quality and um, mm. top tier is from your bottle range. So that's that kind of fits. I like that. Exactly. Like Talking it. about it so much. Look at you, Blake. <laughs> It's like back into it. Look at you. You guys are animals. I love it. It's only nine o'clock. I love it. Oh, it's true. It's uh, it's early days. (laughs) Just been on one time. Out in a year. 
No, man, this, this is glorious. A couple comments from Daniel. I'll be doing this breakfast tomorrow. It's going to take me so long to finish. <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, what's the word? Luxurious is what it is. God damn it. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. Dan says he's not a huge fan of sack. This is back to the juxtapose. I'm not a huge fan of Sactois IPAs, but your IPA balances it so perfectly. You damn right it does. I mean, I'm, I am like loving this. This is glorious. Um, and he also says, "Shouts to Daggerard Brewing for keeping the BC Belgian vibes strong." Yeah, yeah. She told me yeah. about about those dudes yeah. and stuff. Um, okay, so that's the color of it. I wasn't sure what color. Can you hold yeah. it up a bit. So it's kind of like a brownie red. Mm. Yeah, it's little. Yeah. It's it's pretty much like Rodenbach. It looks like Rodenbach. Yeah. Okay. That's um. That's killer, man. Wicked head too on it. I love that you guys got the fooders going on. It's just I don't know. There's something that's so on brand with what you guys do. You guys are so consistently on brand from your merch. Like even the hat you got, the Adam is fire. And I've seen the other the shirts and hoodies and stuff. The shit is just fire. From the way that the brew pub is presented to the mass, I've seen pictures of the menu to like now I'm looking at a handful of like half a dozen beers right in front of me, juxtaposed featherweight operas, the huff gold, the stout, the quadrennial, like all of these beers is just like consistency and branding and, and just the quality of what's going on. It's just, it's just glorious. This is, this is why, like, this is why almost like it's annoying to be out here and not be able to get hands uh, you know on your stuff all the time. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just fantastic. And as like marketers, like I'm v- always very, very impressed with breweries that pay deep attention to those small things. Cause all things matter. They really genuinely this means quality overall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that I mean, we, you up. we, thank you very much. We appreciate that. I think like for us, it's important to portray like a level of the same level of quality on the outside that we feel is on the inside and like the same attention to detail and to really show that we're investing in, in not only what we're putting on the inside, but what, how we're showcasing it. You know what I mean? Like it, nice. it's kind of, uh, it's gotta be a mirror yeah. of what's in the inside. Yeah. And like as much as we would like to admit or like to think people don't judge a book by cover, but they always do. They do. It's inevitable. Everybody does. <clears throat> And also, you want to represent what's inside. Like, this is looking fancy as fuck. And, like, it is. Like, but this is like, let's go to the park. Sorry, where am I? There you go. Yeah, let's go to the, park, go. And drink let's go to the park and crush. Yeah, these are just chill. Put them in your so, pocket. Let's go. I mean, it's good to hear the continuity in, in, in the brand is there. Cause I mean, I, I know Adam and I talk about how sometimes it doesn't seem like it's always coming from the same brewery, but if you mm. guys, if you guys are seeing that, I mean, that's important. Yeah. It's I'm, important. Like we feel yeah. it's hopefully there's a thread that, uh, acts them all, you know, even though that there's some major different differentiators between some of these, uh, some of these, these brands. Yeah, I mean, even just look, you know, you're looking at, you got things like this that are like you were saying with this, it's got the bold colors and, and sort of these other patterns on here that kind of reflects, like you said, what's inside it. The chill thing here, this is like just interesting. You got the blue that's consistent. And then you kind of go into the more like, just funnily enough, these all sit next to each other and you got like the gold 
you know, gold does always represent something uh, regal and a bit more of an experience. I, I was sort of like, as I was drinking this, the more and more, it's just like, fuck, I was just looking at it. I didn't really say because you guys were talking about some good shit. I didn't want to interrupt, but I just kept drinking. I was like, every sip, it's like something about like lagers and pilsners that just like makes sense. Oh, just make me just lose my shit. I fucking love them so much. And like, this was giving me that <laughs> dip. I'm just like, oh, like, I just wanted to just shake and say something. But like, that's the same. And then I'm looking at, it's just funny because I happen to have six beers here that are all aligned. And then these two, you know, I got this one. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, and the, the you you yeah, see, it's not even intentional, but I happen to have six of your products sitting right here, and these are the I'm being able to pair them all up together without even trying, um, and and you know match them up. So yes, I think yeah, you guys are uh, exactly. You guys are doing a better job than 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 you imagine. I, I guess it's harder. I, I completely understand from your perspective because you're twenty four seven. This is what we are. We're living, breathing, eating this stuff. And it's hard to sometimes yeah. look at it from an outsider perspective. And there's just a way that this, that your, that your products make up, like, I guess I'm going to speak for Brad too, like make us feel. Um, it's always been like something that's sought out. That's like super quality. That is like, wow, I got some four ways. Fuck. Like it was, it was always like a big deal yeah, to get, always a deal. yeah, to get it, to get hold of your stuff. And um, even now, it's like you know I hope people in BC feel the same way and I imagine they do I know we're out here so there's a distance thing so if it's like a beer festival or I traded like Dan or a friend or something um, I always had a couple people out in BC that I always sort of traded with here and there just to try and keep me up on game to what you guys were doing because it's such an exceptional scene out there and I just feel like you guys were always like a part of those things it was pretty much I don't think I ever had a trade where someone didn't send me some four wins so I think it's like a, a real test into what you guys have created you know, intentionally, but you probably don't, you know, maybe don't realize that because you're just so deep in it. You might not have that contact with the people all the time losing their mind. You know what I mean? Like it's just very cool. Yeah, no, the whole trade thing trips me out. Like I I respect it so much, but like, I, I, like, I, I understand it, but I like not a part of it. So I'm like, yeah. Like, I remember the first time I saw like someone I used to like be real, real glued to our Instagram and our Twitter. And like, I don't, I don't look at it too much anymore, but I remember seeing people in like Florida drinking our beers. I'm like, what the fuck? How are they getting our beers? And like, wow, that's sick. How'd you feel about that? Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's like, wow. It blows yeah. my mind. And I'm like, man, we're just like, we're literally just dudes brewing beer that we want to drink. And like we're lucky enough to have a market that buys our product here. Yeah. And then those people that buy it are like, this is fucking good. Let's get it to other people. Like, man, this industry is so crazy. Like, imagine any other industry where it's like promoted by the consumer as much as beer. Like it, it doesn't exist. What will be said. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we're I feel like we're so hyper focused on Yeah, I feel like we're so hyper focused on um, creating the beer ensuring that the quality is there, packaging it, seeing it through all, the whole way, and then seeing it out the door, distributing it, getting it to the, 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 the liquor stores and the bars and the restaurants. And then once it's there, we kind of like, you know, you kind of let it be. That's it. It's gone. It's, then it's gone. We don't really spend too much time thinking about like, mm. once in a while you get a little bit like reflective, reflective and you start thinking about like, oh, who could be enjoying the beer or whatever. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's, hundreds of thousands and millions of beers that are being consumed, you know, and it's, 
it's amazing to think about all the different Where it's going people on. that you're touching and all the different experiences that you're enhancing and all the different mm. you know types of people that are talking about these beers and sharing these beers and so we're just like honestly we're we're so uh, uh, like blown away blown away <laughs> and grateful and just humbled that you guys even appreciate us uh, what you're uh, speaking so it's amazing thank you very much it um, is so it's such a pleasure it's mm -hmm. it's yeah man it's it's a fascinating world when you really i guess i didn't really think of it from your perspective as far as like yo, right. we created that. you're creating experiences yeah or you're part of creating it that's it that, that's, that's, that's that's one of our core values really yeah. is like it's you know our, our we're, we're making we're making it's an endless and a continuous endeavor into like quality and all those types of things, but also just in enhancing the social experiences of the people who are enjoying the beer. That's mm. kind of what we're here to do, right? We're here to, we're here to enhance that experience. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, we go on. <laughs> no, 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 you go ahead. I was, I was just going to continue on. Please, please. <laughs> I was going to say it. To continue with what Adam said, we're, we're so thick into it every day. We're like, you know, we're running a fucking brewery. It's like there's challenges every day and there's like what we're actually doing. And uh, we're like, have this time to talk to you guys and you guys appreciate some of the things we do. And now thinking about that, like on a magnitude is like pretty awesome. Like, dude, I'm just helping these, like, I, I'm not brewing regularly anymore. I'm helping these guys that are brewing regularly and like now just having that perspective like this beer might go into someone's hand fucking change their whole day. Yeah. Like it's so, it's so important yeah. to think about all this work we're putting in is, is an Adam's word of enhancing experiences is so, mm -hmm. so true. Like, I mean, we're not here to get like people fucking drunk even though it's a byproduct of what we're doing, uh, it's, it's an experience. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty cool. It's a flavor journey. Wow. It's, yeah. been a, it's been a long year, and it's been a while since I've had that reflection. So thank yeah. you for allowing us to get there tonight. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Man, such a pleasure. This is like the, the beauty, I guess, of this, right? To like, I know a lot of brewers tell me like, I don't really drink my own stuff too much. And like a part of this podcast is to drink your own stuff so we can all talk about it. And then they, uh, people say like, yo, it's actually kind of nice to sit down and like think about this beer and then talk about it. And then, you know, have that opportunity to reflect. And that's, I hope I'm really glad to hear that, man. Cause that's really a, a part of the, it's almost like the accidental benefit of doing this. Cause really we're doing this. We mm. want to tell the stories of the people behind the beer and, when yeah. I connected with Adam and, and found out that the way that, that you guys came out, I was just like, like this is even more perfect than I could have imagined it to be for this brand that I've been in love with. I put it in a, in a song that is coming out soon for my album that I just, what? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Raphael and uh, yeah, one, one of my favorite songs. Off, what's off the bar? The it's on wax officially. Uh, what is it? What's the bar? It's off Too Hungover. It's a song called Too Hungover, and it's a, me and me, Brad, and this singer called Dave Archer. And it's just kind of like, you know, Maxwell? Remember the Maxwell from like. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, like, it sort of sounds like his first album, like with the real, like, sexy bass line. Um, yeah. 
Fuck, what's it's a sexy like? song for sure. I said something like Off of Bellwoods and Four Winds. Like off of Bellwoods and Four Winds. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Woods and Four Winds. And it's like a four. four and then, then it forwards into a sex line, which we won't talk about, but like you basically having good beer and having good sex is what I think the sum up the line is. Yeah, because <laughs> when I when that song, that was 2017, but like it was just unfortunate it takes forever with music as like it's, it's a nightmare. But it's getting there. And that when we, rec- I guess I wrote it in 20, we wrote it in the studio in 20, 2017. I remember actually, because we had that beat and we brought the singer in and we all wrote it together. Um, yeah, that's what I was vibing. Yeah, so I must have just gotten some of your stuff and I was vibing. I wanted to make sure I rep for it. And it was supposed to be like, I'm having a good night with this chick, so I'm drinking the best stuff. So it was Bell was a full <laughs> across the country. And like some elite Yes, exactly. And I just saw today. No, I was looking up to, to to look for a photo for the promo piece, and I I remember I had it was called Sidiumism. It was the collab you guys did with Bellwoods with the guava. Yeah, yeah. Like that was like you know what I'm saying because this was when I discovered Bellwoods. I used to live down the road from Bellwoods in Toronto when they opened in 2012. Like I moved to Montreal, like we were neighbors with Luke for a while. Yeah. We didn't even know. So we went to Bell was the first week they opened, and it was it was cool. They were doing some Belgian shit, funnily enough, and like you know they had as boy, they had a few other things. It was it was cool. And then I left, and I didn't really bother to. It didn't blow my mind. I was like, ah, oh, convenient. But now I'm moving to Montreal. Well, goddamn it. And then um, when I went back, and then I realized what they were doing. It was kind of in 2017. It was really a big year for me because they blew my mind, and then they were doing. That's when they did Witchstock in that September. Um, they did the collab with you guys, and they were they were doing all these coll- all these things that no one else were doing. And I feel like they were a, a big part of introducing a lot of the East Coast to people like yourselves. That were, they were collabing with Dunham out in Quebec, and um, I can't even remember. But they, they were just doing. I think they did the Trillium collab. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They did Evil Squid and like uh, Green. Uh, Whatever those IPA guys in New York are called. Oh, not other half. Other half. Oh, that other half, yeah. No. Other half, yeah. Other half, yeah. They were doing, yeah, they were doing a whole bunch of things like that, and they were they were really a pivotal part of introducing because they were the they were the at the forefront of the haze and doing the the you know the milkshake and all the milkshake IPAs and all that that crazy stuff. And so, if Bellwoods work with somebody like oh, they were like this is a. This is a cosign. So I think around the same time as as Dan was saying your stuff, you guys were collabing with them. So I already was already excited to get BC stuff. And Dan was like, yo, you need to try this four winch. I'm pretty sure that's how I got put onto it. And then seeing the collab with Bell was was kind of like an extra cosign. I was like, that's all I need to see. These guys are the shit. Like this is is the BC gods. That's it. That's all that matters. And that's yeah, man. And that's really what it was at the time. Like I know, you know, I got a, I had juxtaposed. I had featherweight, um, a couple other. Like I guess I had nectarus and maybe that was oh, and like velo and maison stuff like that, like the can stuff. And he sent me some of the, you know, that's why I still have that quadranium because I've been a lazy shit. But like, yeah, it was just it's like a, an interesting way when you see the way that people are introduced to the stuff, and and I, that impression never left me. Like it's still. Yeah how I felt and that's how excited I was when we connected Adam that, that I was just like oh shit like when I said founder or co-founder of form I fuck off and I immediately was just <laughs> like, oh. even if we didn't do the podcast I just wanted to say hey man I love your shit like it was really important to me just to tell you that um so I was just really stoked that you guys would even have the time you know to give us the time to do this I'm genuinely appreciative and it's uh <clears throat> 
you know. This has been fucking awesome. Anytime, man. Yeah, yeah we, man. We feel the same. We feel the same way, dude. Like we, we've been following you. You must have known that we would follow you too. Like I think we like your shit all the time. Yeah, I see it, but and, I, I um, guess you don't realize like if it, like it's like someone just like scrolling and tap, scroll, tap, you know, type of thing. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. No, we've been we've been been aware of you and been been kind of quietly following what you guys are up to as well, man. And we're fans, so we're we're, we're stoked to stoked to be talking to you today. No, I love it. That's super this, this is really what it's all about as well. And when I found that your story was so similar, and you know, we had so many like synchronicities across the board it's just beautiful beautiful timing to to be able to to talk to you guys i really hope that a lot of the people watching i know we probably don't have a following in vancouver like we do in the east but that's the point is that i want all the people out here like you know quebec ontario wherever else like to like yo bother your find a friend in vancouver and trade for this shit like immediately yeah trying to blend the borders a bit yeah i I think it's really important because like you know canadian craft beer scene is is a wonderful thing and there's some really great stuff going on between the three main you know montreal toronto and vancouver that are uh, the three key scenes arguably in the country um excuse me doing the most progressive stuff and the fact that you guys are now doing this ontario pack it's just it's phenomenal it's yeah. amazing like and and yeah it's just I, I think this is that's it's the future of canadian um craft beer like it really has to be that collaboration, you guys have been at the once again at the forefront of doing that for years out here. Um, you know, and really making those, like you were saying, you've been to Ontario a bunch, maybe you haven't been anywhere else, but you've been there and you've made those connections felt to the point where you're able to collaborate with four of arguably some of the best breweries in, in the province um, on this new pack, which is, which is amazing. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing, right? Like you're, mm. you're trying to, you're trying to create relationships, but also kind of learn from each other and just see what other people are up to. And it's the same spirit, the, the brew, like actually brewing the beer and creating the products is kind of the same spirit as like, you know, consuming the products and exploring the different breweries and the different styles and sharing them with your friends. It's, it's all about seeing what's new and what other people are up to and what other people are doing and just connecting. And that's kind of the whole general vibe of the of the craft beer scene and whether you're a a producer like a manufacturer or a consumer it's kind of the same spirit i think you know no i agree it's you guys you guys know that uh canadian brewing awards are in uh quebec city this year and they're still planning on doing it are they really in my in may in september good luck with that <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I I'm optimistic. Yeah, Doesn't man. look like it's gonna happen. No. The only do you know what? Do you know what's yeah. really interesting? Like yeah. last year, so when shit was chill, there was I guess I don't know if you guys are familiar. Basically, Montreal was the Florida of Canada. Like it was <laughs> shit. shit. <laughs> it was a it was a mess out here, right? That's why the fuck we never left home. Um, people are crazy out here. They really enjoy people's company so they were wild um there was a period where um uh things were pretty chill maybe 50 cases a day it was looking pretty good so it was late august and we did a collaboration with the quebec city tourism office so we went out there because at the time they had in the whole out of all of their um population they had like 1200 cases or something it was super low and then we went on no that was gaspe then we went to like deep east quebec and that was 200 cases in in gaspe which is like the the arsene where Orval is, 
So we went out there. That was super fun. But in Quebec City, we went to a brewery called Noctem. Mad cool, cool dudes. You guys would love them too. They do like a whole bunch of fun stuff. And dude was like, yo, shit's about to get real here. He's like, there's a right-wing radio station that a lot of people listen to that's really pushing anti-mask things and it's about to fuck this place up. And then not too long afterwards, all of their cases went to close to as bad as Montreal uh, levels. And they're improving a little bit quicker than us because they have a smaller population. But that movement of that sort of anti-mask thing has sort of slowed their progress down. So I'm not incredibly confident that they would get rid of it to the point in September where they would, I mean, look, man, hopefully I don't want to be pessimistic in any shape or form. I'm just, I don't know how much faith I have based on what I saw last year. I hope that things are going down. So it's a good sign, but to actually have a conference where there's, yeah, I know it's a bit, it's a bit early, but I'm, I'm hopeful. Would you guys go for it? I don't know if I can go. I'll have like a newborn son and a two-year-old daughter, so it might be hard for me. But we'll 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 send somebody. Kylo will go for sure. Kylo, you risk it. Maybe Adam. Adam Adam will risk the. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be worried about infection by no me by any means, but it would just be time away. Yeah, that's true. I guess I mean, that's really what you guys have to think about. Yeah. So it'd be interesting if if it does happen. I mean. You know, I wonder if uh, I wonder if it does go down. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I hope at least I, I hope out here. In, if, if it was in BC and they were saying it was going to happen at that time, I might be like, yeah, maybe. But considering how locked down you guys are out there, I'm kind of skeptical that that could that could happen that quickly. But yeah, we'll see. it is improving. I'm not going to lie. Like the good thing about the curfew, once again, I'm not here for government overreach i guess but it went from like three and a half thousand cases a day in montreal at least to like i think we're at somewhere between six and eight hundred now so and that's a good sign right like it's it's definitely going down um significantly so i I haven't checked quebec city to see if they're um a little more intense and why sorry what i'm saying i shouldn't say montreal i'm saying quebec period that's actually a privilege that not a, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not a city. So, like, actually, if you look at in the numbers, it's probably not important because the infection isn't doesn't really travel like that or whatever. You know, like, but, yeah, I feel like, like, because it would require a lot of hotels and a lot of, like, they have smaller workshops. So would they have, how would they space people out? I don't know. That That's the only thing. But I, I know it's probably important to go there to network for you guys. Like those networking opportunities probably are uh, pretty key. It's I, I don't know. It's not, it's not that like crucial to business. It's just like it's just nice. A good it's look. Part of the industry. It's part of the industry. It's like it's we I'm, we miss that. Like there, we have a lot yeah. of you know a lot of friends in the industry and a lot of great relationships that we've kind of established. And those are the only times you see them, or once mm. or twice a year at these events. And so we've kind of definitely lost that touch with some people. I was just thinking about certain people that I know from Ontario that we haven't seen in a couple of years because we, we haven't gone to the regular events and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, we, I think we miss that. And we're not going to, oh, yeah. we're not going to say, I don't know. I'm not advocating for something that uh, would not be safe, but if it, if it is safe and it works out great, if it doesn't, we'll just, so be just it. deal with it. What did they do last year? 
Virtual? Virtual. Virtual. How was that? Yeah. Uh, I think it was fine. I, I think it, yeah, I can't quite remember it. I watched it, but I can't remember. Uh, seemed all right. I think Cass hosted it again. Cap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so it was chill. Did what it needed to do. Okay. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I'm sure, like, by, by this sort of summer, people are probably hoping that we're going to have more openings and more shit like this to be able to kick off. I can't imagine beer festivals being a thing this year, but... Uh, maybe not. Yeah. Is it, you guys, I guess, are probably not going to happen either. I don't know. It's hard to say. I saw a headline today that uh, Bonnie Henry, who is our, like, chief medical officer, she's saying, we're looking... We'll probably see the life return, returning to normal or post-pandemic life in in the summer, which is pretty promising because she's been pretty pretty conservative with her comments. Interesting. So, so I feel like you guys just have like a different situation to us though. Like it seems to be so much more positive. A little bit. Positive and like, I don't know, there's, there's more space here. Our population density is not as high, but mm. the one thing BC decided to do recently was – they spaced out the the like uh, vaccination dose. Like it's a two part thing. They they used to they gave it like eight weeks in the past. Now they moved to like sixteen weeks. They doubled the, the gap. Oh. So they think they can double double the first like I don't know the numbers exactly, but they get twice as many people vaccinated before they get their second dose as waiting and. Mm. Uh, that's kind of the mo right now. So they're saying like nine, you get ninety percent coverage or something like that with the first dose. I don't shit. Know. I don't know. I don't know how this shit works, but if that if that's what they're thinking, then cool. Whatever helps, man. Like interesting. I, I feel like it's also like without getting too deep into it again, the fact that you guys have been open because I feel like there's no there's not enough um, uh, data to say that say something like a brewery just based on this, what we're talking about, shouldn't be open here um, or, or a restaurant if even if they're reduced capacity, like as far as spreading. Like if you guys have had that open the whole time, yes, you've got less population density, but wouldn't there still be an uptick in cases if the spreading was coming from restaurants and, and breweries? I would, you know what I'm saying? Like if we've closed them down here, like how do we know that that's – Effective, yeah, or or a part of it. Are you guys frozen? God damn it! Ask him a serious question, Nicholas. Ah, oh, that's the first time in like what another hour and a half? Yeah, at least. What are we at? God dang! Oh my god, we're three hours. I didn't. I've had the cursor off the screen. Oh my god, that's amazing. Oh, like they went off. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like like the fact that they've been open the whole time. This is one thing. Like I'm very conservative. Ask well. them about like restrictions in the fucking. Um, Taproot, do they have any? I think they're 25%. Okay. All right. Yeah. There we go. That was the first time for a while. Yo, I just realized it's been like over three hours. This is the fucking flu. Yeah. Oh, Joe would fly. Good That's times. Hilarious. You're having fun, right? You just like all of a sudden, like I had the cursor off the screen and I didn't even, I wasn't even looking where the, uh, at the time. Um, all I was saying was, was uh, you know, I guess we don't know the answer, but the, the the point is that like if everything is closed here in Montreal and Toronto, as far as breweries and restaurants and such, yes, our COVID cases are going down now, 
Uh, Quebec at a little higher rate than Ontario from what I saw recently. Not sure why that is. But you guys have had restaurants, breweries, stuff like that open um, frankly, the whole time. And you guys have had a lesser rate. So that wouldn't that suggest that, that there's no spreading necessarily through those avenues and the spreading is happening elsewhere? I think so, man. Like, yeah, that's that's something that is must be frustrating for Quebec. And yeah, other I can imagine. And like, there's there's a huge uh, here. Like, there is a huge advocacy for like restaurants are not the problem. It's like outside of that because restaurants are fucking desperate to get customers in. So they'll be so they'll do whatever it takes. Yep. to keep it clean, sanitize, space people out. I mean, if you're wearing you're wearing your mask to your seat, and then uh, around your seat, there's usually you know the, the plexiglass, the plexiglass and stuff, and then they're spaced out. And so, like Brent said, you, you wear your mask when you go to the bathroom. So it's it's like it's pretty controlled in a way, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence coming from that sector, like the hospitality sector no. um, of <clears throat> cases. But there's one there's one incident. Recently in, uh, in a Metro Vancouver, a pub doing a trivia night. Yeah. And uh, there was like 20 people there and it turned out to like link to 300 cases. And uh, it's just like, what are you doing? Doing like an event like that? People, 20 people are hanging out together. That's just a bad idea. Yeah. That's a different so, pub trivia is so much different than coming to a brewery with a party of two to have a meal, cool. a couple beers in a plexiglass thing. It's a hang, hang session. It's like a social. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a large difference yeah. between that. And even in Montreal, they had a big, like in the summer, they, uh, the street here called Montreal is, um, uh, they shut it down in the summer last year. They would normally have all these events, but they just shut the whole thing down. They let all the restaurants have huge patios and most of them had plexiglass and separation. This is when they probably couldn't have inside dining. And they were letting yeah. me do that. And at all, like, as much as, like, we didn't participate in that because we were still unsure. It was only a couple months in. We are like, I don't know, I don't know. We're also making, like, an inside-outside, which is defeating the purpose of, like, the outside. actually doing that. <laughs> some really secure inside-outside. It's like you're not listening. Yeah. I just feel like it's, like, the, that's the hardest part for everything. And it's really not fair for the Bereans because it's, like, the inconsistencies are just wild. So it's like, how can anyone mm. feel comfortable or confident dealing with any of this? Yeah, it, I know. It's tough. So I'm, I'm happy at least yeah. you guys are able to open and shit is good. Hopefully they'll, uh, you know, things will things will keep moving over here. But I'm glad that you guys are uh, thriving, dominating, killing the game, knocking out fire. Facts. You know? <laughs> That's what the fuck it is. Doing what we can. Doing what we can. Doing what you can. I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. I realize we're definitely a little over the, uh, you know, the, the approximate time that we set. Um, now this has been like such a, a dope conversation. So like, I feel like uh, we, we got everything in that I wanted to cover this evening. Um, it's been a genuine pleasure, boys. Thank you seriously for your time and, and generosity. And, uh, you know, to love everything you're doing. We are always going to support. Loved it. I'm just, I'm just happy. It's brilliant. Thank, thank you guys for having us, man. This has been an absolute blast. A lot of fun. Yeah, man, a real blessing. Much appreciated. Thank you for having us. This is a lot of fun, and we'd love to do it again sometime. Oh, my God, not even a question. Keep it, keep it, 
Oh yeah, touch on absolutely. Personal, yeah. Man, can't, can't wait to like see you guys, see you guys in person and oh, some beers. Yeah. Bro, I, I we were just Obviously. talking about it. Like, if things go the right way this summer, that we were thinking about coming out, depending on how shit goes or whatever. Like, we really want to come. Yeah. It's been on our every single summer. Tiff and I, I don't know if you know what you were thinking, but Tiff and I was like, we always need to get. Man, to I'm gonna mountain bike out that way and just you know live in the mountains and just send it down the hill mate and i'll come down for some yeah, beers in delta yeah. let's go yeah yeah we'll come hang out with you in the city we'll hang out here in delta absolutely bro it's about to be on do we need to do we need to do the thumbnail for youtube so i'm going to take a screenshot do you guys want to hold up some uh some beers yeah let's do it i do it i know you grab a little toughies dowdy oh you know what I'm going to do the quadrone, even though we didn't drink it. I'm just going to flex on them. You know what's fun about the huffed uh, paisley blue and white, which all the beer wenches wear? They love it. Right. I got this. Get your pretty faces in there, boys. Um, I'll do this one because you got that. There you go. There we go. All right. You ready? No, I'm not ready yet. I don't got my face on. <laughs> Get your face on. Take your time. Oh, you bloody flaming legends. Look at that. That is a that is something to put on a Christmas card. That's a thumbnail. <laughs> that is what I call a thumbnail, god damn it. Thumbnail. <laughs> Gentlemen, where can we find Four Winds Brewing online? Uh, well, you can go to, I mean, if you're fourwindsbrewing.ca or if you're looking to go to our shop, shop.fourwindsbrewing.ca. You're down, uh, right. We're working on, uh, we're working on re revamping, redesigning our whole website. We're in the middle of that right now. We've got kind of have an old school site going on that we got up eight years ago. And we have a Shopify account kind of attached to that, but we're trying to we're trying to redo the whole thing, so that's coming soon. I love it, and it's I think it's is it Four Winds Brewing or Four Winds Beer online on Instagram? Brew. Oh, Instagram! Oh, Instagram's uh, at Four Winds Brew Co. Brew Co. Okay, yeah. verified. It's probably one verified. of verified. Verified. You see that blue tick, bro? You see that shit? That ain't that ain't average. Everybody knows now. Gangster. We just we. We were like, why not? Let's just see what they say. And they were like, okay. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, it actually worked. You did it we through the submit thing and it worked? Pardon me? You did it through the just submit? You submitted your profile for verification? Pretty much. I think it took a few times, but yeah, pretty much, yeah. That's amazing because typically my understanding was a lot of publicists like have some sort of plug with Instagram. So you hire a publicist and oh. the publicist gets you verified. That is amazing to hear. But that's what you get. Make fun. That's good. Buy a beer. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Buy a beer. Oh, eight years. Psh, never. <laughs> what happened? You know, stop. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Verified fire beer. That's right. Verified fire. Oh, you should. You can use that. Put that. Put that all on the website. I think that's important. People need to know. Verified. Verified fire beer. beer. Notion. Where can everyone find you online, my G? Uh, at Notion Baby on Instagram and Twitter, at Illnote Studios on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, illnotestudios.com. Holla at your boy, mixing, mastering, uh, production, and photography. Bop, bop, bop. And hugs post pandemic. You know what I mean? Mad hugs. Yeah. Enough hugs. Everyone's like, uh, 
Um, mate, this has been a pleasure. Boys, stick around after I wrap this up and we'll, we'll finish up. I'm going to finish up this part. So, guys, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate all of y'all. If thank everyone, you, you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell. Ding. So you know where the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BAOS Podcast and check out the long form audio. We are everywhere Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything. And you can see us every week here on YouTube. We are usually live on Fridays around 9 p.m. Sometimes we have a bonus episode with some fucking attractive legends like Brent and Adam. You see them right there. You look at that. Look at that glorious chiseled chin. You see them. You see them right there. Uh, we will be back tomorrow evening, 9 p.m., y'all. We'll see you then. Peace. Peace. Peace.